happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to my sister-in-law, Jessica. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Jesse. Woo! Yay! Yay! And welcome to everyone else that is having a birthday or not having a birthday to the greatest horror movie review podcast in this multiverse and beyond, 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 beyond. That was like the ultimate Patreon patron shout out, by the way. Yeah, probably. Because Jesse is a Patreon Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, get a song sung at you. Get a song, get the opening. Pretty good. Why, it's dead and lovely here with your two best buds. It's the host with the most. It's me, Uncle Ben. And your host with the least amount of not coolness, <laughs> Hollywood <laughs> Steve. And now your cool runneth over. Yeah. Too much cool. <laughs> It's pretty impressive, Steve. How you been doing this week, man? Been doing good. We are apparently uh, in the season of Christendom now. Yeah, it's it's getting cold. Yeah, baby, it's cold outside. Yep, so you should stay in here with this guy who's trying to get you to drink more drinks. <laughs> Just stay. Make but, some bad, hey, bad decisions. Hey. Beats being cold, am I right? Yeah, it's, it's cold out there, so... Let, us, let a stranger enter you. <laughs> let a stranger enter you. <laughs> How you been doing this week in this cold Christmas time season, it's Steve? It's been good. It's been good. I've been uh, chilling Decking out. the halls. Decking the halls. Uh, doing all the cool stuff. Watched some, some great football over the Thanksgiving. I mean, we're, we're recording this a little after Thanksgiving. Yeah. I watched some great football that week. <laughs> yep. I've been really just relaxing, enjoying myself, having a good old time, and working out. Awesome, man. Getting shredded, huh? Yeah, I mean... What are you down to now? How much have you lost? What's your pound count? I have not lost any weight in a month, and I think I've figured it out, What it is. Um, I, I wasn't keeping strict track of my carbs. Okay. So I think I, mean, I was, you're pretty you're pretty rigorous around a carb count other than when we get a pull on the show. Yeah. I know. And I was getting too many pulls. Wow. I think. So anyway, uh I'm at 225 Damn, which look at is you. 65 pounds lost, Damn. but also is not a good healthy weight unless okay. I was like jacked. All but right. I'm not. You can see me currently. The people listening, they can't. That's no. So I'm like Jack. <laughs> totally shredded. Target dude. weight 225. <laughs> done. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, I'm sure you'll get back on the right track. Yeah. And get yourself that beach bod in no time. Yeah, it was really disheartening for the, for that month because I was still you know working out and still dieting, and it was like, wait, I'm working out and dieting and not losing weight. That sucks. So if like I stopped working out and dieting, I'd start gaining weight. That sounds like I'm going to have to do this the rest of my life. Am I just old? You know, let me just put out a uh, just a wild card suggestion here. I, yeah. I noticed you just said you were working out, uh-huh. you were uh, eating healthy, all those kinds uh-huh. of things. I don't know if you've been praying. Shit. Have you forgot to pray? I, you know what? I was taking no. my vitamins, but I forgot to pray. Not saying your prayers. That's yeah. only half the equation, buckaroo little hulkster. Have I talked about this? But my first, like, my first foray into working out was as a four-year-old when yeah? I got the Hulk Hogan workout set, <laughs> and it came with like weights and and a jump rope and this like poster that had different exercises to do. 
So that's that's when I started getting jacked. Dude, you've been getting just fucking pumped your whole life, I yeah. guess. It's pretty badass. <laughs> so this takes you back to being a kid again, huh? Yeah. Is that I, what you're still working out with at home? Yeah. The jump rope? I got and, those uh, two five-pound blue weights, <laughs> a jump rope, and a... Uh, 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 poster on my wall that tells me to do uh sit-ups i just can't figure out why you're not losing pounds <laughs> like they're just dropping off of you i can't figure it out can't make heads or tails of it don't know why i don't have 24 inch pythons already <laughs> i've got barely a barely a green snake if i've got anything <laughs> i got worms old green snake arm yeah that's me <laughs> black snake moan green snake arm <laughs> that's the sequel <laughs> you've been watching anything good yeah i've been all on watching the office still yeah you're still cooking it. it huh Oh yeah because it's like 2645 episodes or something is it like no it's not literally no. is it no. I was like, wait, how many seasons would that I think be? It's, like eight, it's been on 200 years. I think it's like eight <laughs> seasons at around 20 plus each. The math checks out. So That's what you said. That's about it. It's about yeah. 2,000. Yep. Wow. So where are you at season-wise now? Six. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming Make close some to headway. You. Yeah. Are and you loving it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's I still wouldn't place it even in my top 10 of shows, but like it's... um. It is a good show. I get I get why people like it so much and why it's like Netflix's most streamed content. Wow, is it really? Yeah. They basically Netflix is where you go for the office. Mm, yeah. Okay, right on. Uh I I still like the cringe stuff just it doesn't make me laugh. Yeah, you get that. You get that yeah. empathetic awkwardness off of yeah, it. Yeah, doesn't I, work for you. Yeah, but there's enough like actual like good humor in every episode that it's it's fun to watch. Do you watch that newest Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving episode? Yes, I did. Fuck, yeah, it's so good, man. Yeah, the best Thanksgiving episodes of any show, Bob's Burgers, because yeah. I feel Bob. I totally. I, I'm the same way as him. I would want. You know, I I do want every Thanksgiving dinner to be like awesome and perfect, and and that's all he wants, and he never gets it. Yeah, ever. Poor guy. We watched through, I think, about all of them before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I forgot about how great that one where he's trying to do like Teddy's Thanksgiving for uh-huh. him, but they find out Teddy's like a hoarder. Yes. God, dude. <laughs> They're all fantastic. You're right. It probably does have the best Thanksgivings of any series. Yeah. Up there with Friends, they got some bangers. I yeah I don't really never really got into well, fuck friends. you then yeah I remember somebody having a turkey on their head is that a thing that did happen okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I've been seen a few of them two persons that ended up with turkeys Dude, on their heads uh-huh. is one of them Joey one of them is Joey okay and I'm gonna guess Phoebe no okay she's a vegetarian she wouldn't do that <gasps> oh good point it was yeah. a Monica Monica yeah. oh she she came to Chandler's door with a turkey on her head and that's the first time he said I love you. Aww. Yeah, you look ridiculous. I love you. But like you said it in a snarky Chandler way. Where he was like, Could I love you anymore? I don't love you not. <laughs> it was pretty much that yeah. funny. It really, really was. <laughs> Chandler did cool. a lot of not jokes, right? Yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure. So I'd like to I'd like to get a pull to having the Thanksgiving holiday behind us. Now we're here in the season. Oh, wait, but we've already opened Christmas. the can. Hold on. Yeah. Put crack. Yep. <laughs> We just opened ourselves up here a big old uh, crowler of a pretentious beer called Who Lives on Drury Lane. This is one that Hope and Carly recommended to me to, to have for the yeah. show this week. 
it being the Christmas season. they know season. what they're talking about. Yeah, dude, mm-hmm. and, and Hope is like leaving. This is her last week. Seriously? Yeah, Hope's girlfriend. Oh, that's a shame. Hope's girlfriend got a really bitching job in like Paris, Tennessee, I think it is. Oh, okay. So, so they're moving there. Ugh, yeah. That sounds terrible, but it also sounds fun. I know. I know. It sounds like it's a pretty sweet deal, so I'll no. allow it. Yeah, allowed. I'll allow it. Par- Paris allowed. They recommended that we have this in here. It is a brown ale yeah. that is brewed with like gingerbread stuff. Now, I tend to like a brown ale. It's always comfortable. To me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it tastes like beer. Just tastes like beer. Tastes like yeah. beer. And I could see how the addition of molasses and clove and ginger and stuff could work pretty well. So they used actual gingerbread or they used gingerbread ingredients? Do I think you know? it's gingerbread ingredients. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, it's not like they added in gingerbread extract. Like they used right. actual ginger and cloves yeah. and stuff like that. Because it smells that does great. It smells really good. And yeah. it's a very dark brown ale. It's mm. not. Like yeah. a light-colored one at all. Very dark. Very chestnutty. Hopefully this will hook us up pretty damn good. It's 5% or not too heavy. That is not heavy. What do you think about that? Okay. It's got the spiciness, but it's not like... Because oh. the thing that you would expect, because it's so dark, and is you'd expect it to be like a heavier flavor, but it's totally. real light. The aftertaste is really nice. Yeah. Kind of initially, I got a, a big old punch of clove mm-hmm. right at the front of that. Yeah, it hits you with the clove, and then all the other stuff sort of the comes molasses out. and mm-hmm. stuff, especially. You really get that later on in the ginger. That's pretty fucking good. I like that it's light too, and it's kind of refreshing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could totally get smashed with For these real. by the fireside <laughs> this Christmas season. Yeah. Doesn't feel like fucking Christmas whatsoever. No, that's kind of zoomed in on us, huh? Yeah. Just, where'd that come from? Well, we had such a late Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is on like the 28th or something this year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think last year we had like a, you know, one of those like five and a half week long Christmas seasons, but this time it's like, well, Christmas is coming Short up. Christmas. Yeah. So, I mean, we've not decked the halls. We've not caroled. We've not done anything. Wow. And you guys love caroling. We do it all the time. It's, it's a, everywhere. Yeah. And People it's love it. Beautiful. Just beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, you maybe sing I'll... Oh Holy Night and you really hit oh, that. Holy Night. You hit that high note. Oh, on your <laughs> I kill it. Yeah. Every year I'd be out there slaying that thing, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get more in the Christmas spirit as we watch some of our favorite Christmas movies and stuff like that. Uh, we've got a Christmas horror movie we're doing next week, which I'm already very yeah. excited about. Krampus. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is so fun. I think we Do just watched that watch maybe last year. The, the porn time. version, Krampus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Krampus I mean, is. Is it not good? No, it's great. Okay. All right. I, you just won't be prepared for the podcast. Yeah, You'll be like, why are they talking, talking about, about Adam Scott and Tony Collette instead of Adam Hot and Boney Collette? Yeah, Bone Me Collette. She's Bone called. Me Collette. Yeah. 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 But she, actually, she's <laughs> Vietnamese, so it's Bon Me Collette. Bon Me Collette. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a sandwich, you fuck. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sandwich, yeah. you fuck. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Dude, I've been watching uh, more of that Mandalorian as it's come yeah, out. Yeah, I have some questions about Mandalorian. Because you, you I watch none it. of it. Okay. As, as we record this, I want to see it. Episode four has just come yeah. out, so we're not super deep into the show yet. And, and trust me that what I'm going to say is not changing the fact that I want to see it and oh, think it awesome. will be good. It's awesome. But I, 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 I want to review. When The Force Awakens was too much like the original New Hope. People got mad about that. People got mad about it. When The Last Jedi was too different, 
people got mad about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a very narrow window mm-hmm. of Star Wars being liked by the fans. Okay, now, we always have assumed that was some intelligent window. Some, like, oh, they're, they're, they're very knowledgeable about the universe and really want very specific, like, good stories about these already uh, great, like, tensions that are happening throughout the this past universe. of the Star Wars universe. Right, yeah. right. And the thing that all the Force Awakens and Last Jedi haters can get on board with is they love The Mandalorian. A show that I will describe to you now as rip-off Boba Fett and a baby version of a character from the originals. Okay, when you put it that way, it sounds very unflattering. Okay. And it also sounds like everybody's commentary on Force Awakens and Last Jedi is kind of bullshit. And what you really want is boys. Boys. Because <laughs> you don't care that Rip Boba Fett, first off, not even cool. Let's all fucking put that out there. Boba Fett couldn't shoot well. And immediately fell into the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> he was bad at his job. He had a hard time of it. And th- all of the goddamn clones of him were terrible at shooting their blasters. Now that, yeah, that was unfortunate. So we have millions of examples of how sucky he was at being <laughs> a bounty hunter. And then we have rip off him. Yeah. And a bait. The fucking Muppet baby version. The Muppet baby version. Because it's a Jim Hansen Muppet and it's the baby version. It's a Muppet baby. It's a Muppet baby. Okay. All right. All right. So again, I don't have any of these problems with Star Wars. So me watching The Mandalorian, it's like, yeah, rip off Boba Fett and baby Muppet. Fine. I'm fine with <laughs> I'm that. I'm on board. But what I'm saying is all you fucking fart sniffers out there who are like, oh, The Force Awakens, uh, let me rip it apart. You're not <laughs> ripping shit apart. <laughs> well, and you know, too, I guess when you get down to it, it is kind of funny how, you know, okay, obviously, original trilogy, mm. Ewoks, cute little creatures. Yeah. Star, uh, Star Wars fans got mad. Yeah, they got mad. Uh, all Though the, lo- the people who were kids then are not mad about it. No. Yeah. No, no, no. And then, like, you know, with the prequels, Jar Jar and all the yeah. cute little things in there, people got super Though pissed about. the people about. that were kids then, not Don't mad about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the new ones, we've also had little Porgs. Yeah. Got a lot of the nerds really so mad. Cute, right? Yeah, they're adorable. I bet little kids, not mad about it. But Baby Yoda... Seems to have brought us all together. Seems to have brought us all together... That thing's so and, goddamn cute. And really pulls out the bullshit of the arguments, <laughs> though. It really does. I, it's, I totally it's see It's almost what you like mean. dropping, like, uh, you know, like uh, the the charcoal they use whenever people OD, or, <laughs> like, to get shit out of your stomach. Okay. It's like Baby Yoda was the charcoal in the stomach <laughs> of Star Wars <laughs> fandom. <laughs> and what it did was just suck up all the bullshit and say, okay, so that was all bullshit, right? <laughs> just to be clear. Because Baby Yoda and Rip Off <laughs> Boba Fett are your favorite things. <laughs> You're cool with them, though, right? You're super You're cool, cool with that. Okay, yeah. just, just checking. You weren't cool when Han Solo was being trotted out because he was an old man. But if he had been a baby version... <laughs> If they did Baby Solo, Baby Solo, people would love it. I'd be okay. If with it was that. Ba- if it was Baby Solo being carried around by teenage Chewbacca, <laughs> people would love it. It'd people be would adorable. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, I I can't I can't lie. Your, yeah, your assumptions are not off base. Yeah. I mean, 
I will tell you, it is a much more fun to watch oh, yeah. show than the oh, description I of it's like a, rip off. Yeah, Boba it's Fett like a, a space western. I'm excited. It really is, and it's got Pedro Pascal, who's fucking amazing. Yeah, I've yeah. been amazed by how much emotion they're able to display on a character whose face you can't see. Yeah. You and know? that they got Pedro Pascal to play a character who's total face hunk, <laughs> yeah. total fucking hunk. It's like Doctor Doom in that thing. Seriously, you got a good point though, man. By yeah, the way, you, be a good person to play Doctor Doom. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah, probably all right. Mm-hmm. But you're not wrong, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. just the fact that everybody got so pissy every time there's something else that's cute, but when it's a little yeah. baby Yoda, yeah, then it's all like, right, all right, all right, dude. Yeah, because we love Yoda because he was cute. That's why we loved Yoda. Yeah, when we first saw him, we all thought fucking cute so let's just admit the cutesy parts are fine there's nothing wrong with them there's nothing wrong with a baldroid it's yeah. cute and it looks great totally. so fucking enjoy it deal with it it's all for kids it's supposed yeah, to be yeah let's not forget yeah, yeah let's not forget that i'll tell you what i watched another thing what had interstellar travel and aliens and tommy lee jones and Will Smith in it. Was it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? It was Men in Black. (laughs) Men in Black. (laughs) The original one. Yeah. Kate just kind of put that on arbitrarily the other night. I've seen that kind of recently. uh, Well, it may be. It was at a holiday. I I remember watching it at my in-laws, like in their their living room. Mm -hmm. And holds up, I think, right? It totally does. It totally, totally does, man. Yeah. It's still a really fun watch. I think the guy that wrote it is from Knoxville, if I'm not mistaken. Is he? I heard that a long time ago. I can't confirm that. Yeah. Hmm. But dude, it totally still does hold up. Like, it's still full of great performances and stuff. Special effects still looking pretty fucking good. Yeah, man. they do. They do. Like, they uh, they totally wisely used, you know, models and animatronics for a lot yes. of it. And anytime stuff was full CGI. Yeah. Like the big cockroach guy. Mm-hmm. Mostly at, at night. Mm-hmm. It's wet. It's like lit very yeah. hard you know it still looks pretty good it really does yeah. man and just still a fun watch that's yeah it's a fun movie kind of, kind of blew by like i got done editing this video project here and i turned around and she's like you know 20 minutes into the movie and i was like well do you, do you want to watch something else she just kind of put that on because she was waiting on me you know and then it was like i don't know maybe we just watch the rest of this <laughs> turns out yeah it's a good move yeah man. pretty damn good, good choice so i've been enjoying that You've been watching some other Netflix treats here. You've been watching some uh, some of these new things they've had coming out. Yeah, I watched the Toys That Made Us uh, the the new season. I watched the Teenage Ninja Turtles episode. I'm dying to watch this shit, dude. Yeah, and you know how like the Toys That Made Us uh, and their new one, the movies that made us. Also, can't wait to watch that. They they have that like formulaic like. Did you ever see Unwrapped on Food Network with Mark Summers? Mark Summers, yeah. Yeah. The obsessive compulsive Mark Summers. And you know how like formulaic that is. Like they they have three things they're gonna talk about. They're gonna go to these different candy factories Mm -hmm. and it's all they're gonna show all the same things about the candy factory. The history of it. Yeah, and then one unique thing or whatever. The Toys That Made Us kind of does the same thing. It just kind of has a a formula of like how they're going to present the story and it works. I'm fine with that. Because that that is true of most success stories is that there were some roadblocks, they got past them and then boom. Twilight. Twilight, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had something a little bit different because uh, Eastman and Laird, who created Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, hadn't talked in like two decades. And they like brought them together. Really? Yeah. 
Dude. So that's interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. There's a there's a little more like interpersonal struggle going on mm. in that episode than you normally see in the toys that made us because oh, mostly it's about like well we went to Mattel and we went to Hasbro and yeah 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 I that think almost all of set. those start with like well it started in Japan and right. there's this character that was made for a, a greeting card right like Hello Kid dude there's so many like 80s children's toys. That started, especially girls' toys. Yeah, that were formerly like a greeting card or some shit. Yeah, it's really strange. I don't know oh, where yeah. the, the leap from stationary to toydom came from, but whatever. <laughs> Did it give you like all the nostalgia for all the great Ninja Turtle toys yeah. you used to have? Yeah, oh, and when they they were talking about just how much turnover they had, where they were just like, because uh, Eastman and Laird got a percentage of like all the future sales, so they would just come up with ideas. Back to back to back to back. Yeah, like, totally. This guy, that guy, that guy. They go to so you space. Remember, like, they the, play sports. You remember like the chef that had yes, like... Yes, the pizza face looking yeah. guy. Or, no, it wasn't pizza face. That was a different yeah. guy. But yeah, the big nasty chef yeah. guy. Yeah. And then like the... the They had like the sports series. Was, like, and there was the like giraffe a giraffe. That played yeah. basketball. Yeah. Oh my God, I totally remember yeah. those. So and they it, just kept coming up with more and more characters because it was like, well, they're selling. I just had... Keep selling them. Do you remember that one guy that lived, like, down in the sewers, and he was, like, made of trash? Yes. And he had, like, a banana, uh -huh. like, a banana yeah. peel for uh -huh. a nose or something yeah, like yeah. that? That guy was awesome. That was... Yeah. I don't think that he was ever in the cartoon, was he? I, I think, think most of those most weren't of in the cartoon. Yeah. yeah, they were just cool and part of the series. Yeah, because the cartoon had a lot of just the original comic book sort of stuff to it. Yeah. I mean, in the original comic book, Shredder gets killed in the first issue. So, oh, like, really? Yeah, the cartoon definitely is way different than the comic book. I never book. read like the OG comic series. Yeah. I had some of the comics that came out like after the cartoon yeah. had been out, you know? But I yeah, never read yeah. like the originals, where the they original. all had like red red masks like they well yeah they the were same, all right? black and white so it wasn't even they didn't even oh, have yeah. a color but yeah once they did get colored yeah they were all one singular color so the cart one of the introductions from the cartoon is the different colored masks and stuff wow which I how think, did they not think that up in the first place yeah like you you're talking about turtles like how are people gonna tell them apart <laughs> yeah no unless it was just supposed to be like a, a fact no, i'm like not trying collective. to be species but a lot of turtles look alike <laughs> man turtles all look alike i can't tell them apart none at all have to put some different color little bandanas on them so i can even pick out which one's which <laughs> Now, which one of you tells the jokes? This is if Master Splinter was a possum instead <laughs> yeah. of a rat. <laughs> We're going to make the sewers great again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's fantastic. Yeah. Dude, do you remember like on the original line that was just like Leonardo, uh, Donatello, mm -hmm. and all those? They had like the plastic body, but the heads were that squishy rubber. Yes. You remember that? Yeah. And you could just like squish their heads. Or, like when you play with them in the bath, like you'd have to squeeze the water uh -huh. out of their heads and shit. Mm -hmm. Did you take your action figures on a lot of water missions? Yes. Yeah, I did too. Of course. <laughs> Ruined a lot of those fucking things. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. The water mission, I think, is like the height, isn't it? That's the proving ground. I don't know. Well, the sandbox missions, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are always bad because all that sand would get in the joints and uh -huh, stuff. And, and they'd they move just... all creaky and crunchy mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. I'd and rather you could never it was always like you watch the commercial and you're like, yeah, I want to do that. But like you, what you, your your parents aren't going to build you a set to <laughs> yeah. play with your turn your entire room. Into though, the, I mean, now you would do it and it would make money on YouTube. But like before, the, what would be the impetus? Like <laughs> before YouTube, why do people even have kids? That's a good question. <laughs> why? I just don't get it. Why? 
You know, you can't make money off the cute fucking videos. I want to have me a little YouTube baby. <laughs> Just that's a good reason to form yeah. a human life. I'm pretty sure. sure. Yeah. Give me one of them YouTube babies for the lols. <laughs> for the lols. Yeah, exactly. For the ad revenue yeah. and the lols. I had a baby. For the lols. Have you gotten to watch any of that movies that made us yet? Because that seems like that's also going to be Dino Might. I, I did. I started the Ghostbusters one, and then I was like, oh I, don't, I don't have the attention to give this right now. But there, there's a Die Hard and a Home Alone one. Oh my god, dude! We got. I got to watch the Home Alone one, especially considering this is the one year anniversary coming up of, of the Home Alone Home episode Alone and the two year episode. anniversary of the Die Hard episode. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Our Christmas episodes are always the most fun. They're always lit up, and this year's is going to be <laughs> huge. We're going to be lucky if it's not five hours long. Jesus. We're going to be lucky, man. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah, man, I got to watch that shit. I'm dying to see it. Yeah, I think that new season of Toys That Made Us, don't they also do, they do like something about like the wrestling toys yeah. or something? Yeah, wrestling toys. Fuck, yeah. Dude, and I, I have to watch that. I had that. so many of those. Yeah. Did you ever have the thumb wrestler ones? Yep. Yep. Totally, man. Mm, I had a hacksaw Jim Duggan one and oh. uh, uh, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Damn it, dude. Yeah, I definitely got to watch all that stuff and get caught up. Do you watch some of that new South Park? I did. I uh, I hadn't really watched all of the newest season, and so I don't know if I'm caught up or not. It's it's worth watching for sure. I know we watched the Halloween special one. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've watched the one that's after that. So yeah, I'm a couple a couple episodes behind. I guess. Yeah. Has it been good for you so far? Yeah, it's been really fun. I that that show uh, they evolve well. I think. They, they're always a little bit ahead of everybody. Yeah. They're always thinking just a little step further. So it's challenging. If you go back and watch, like, I'll, I'll, I've had seasons of South Park where, like, I'll be slightly angry or not really agree with an episode and then, like, go back and watch it a few years later and be like, yeah, no. Actually, they were right. Yeah, they're yeah. probably right. <laughs> I yeah. love how on this one, uh, Shelly has had her pot problem. Yeah, which is it, <laughs> that she doesn't want pot and yeah. doesn't like it. She's got a problem. She's got a problem. Yeah, it's been really good. She's like, everybody's fucking stupid enough already. <laughs> she doesn't. That's, she's not wrong. She has a point, she but a point. you know what's better? Stupid people who are relaxed. Yeah. Than stupid people who are tense. Yeah. Because then they start talking about people taking away their freedoms. And it's like, dude, nobody, you, nothing has been taken away from you. <laughs> well, now that we can say Christmas again, yeah. all right? Finally. Finally, we God, can say Christmas again. The thing I love again. to say most, Christmas. Ooh, the T sounds. The T sounds really harsh in there. Yeah. Christmas. I'm celebrating, I'm celebrating Kristen Novoselic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, from Nirvana. Yeah, from old Nirvana. I celebrate him on the daily. He is truly a jewel in the musical crown. Of the alternative era. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. That's the line. See, That's what go. he did. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know what? We're gonna be talking about Ravenhouse. Ravenhouse. So my, my my wife was asked what we're doing this week. Uh, Kate asked earlier, and every time the first thing that comes to mind is the Revenant. Yeah. It's not it's that hard movie. for me to remember. Did you watch that Ravenous. instead? Did you watch I did, DiCaprio I did. getting dragged through I did. the snow? Though I'm, we'll still have similar things to talk about. That's the thing is, yeah, like they're not entirely dissimilar. <laughs> That's true. Did you ever see The Revenant? Yeah, it's a man. It's, it's an a intense movie. watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not one of those ones that I'm like. It's got that Thomas Hardy in it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not like rushing to watch it again. It's no. not fun at all. No, but it was really good. And I will totally be rushing to watch Ravenous again because it was fucking fantastic. Yeah. This is the first time that I've seen it, and this is a this is a cannibal story. It's a story Cannibals. about people what eat people. Hey, that fella looks tasty. Maybe I get a bite out of him. I'd have a bite of him. Get in my face, dude. No, that's something else. I think Get that's something in else. in my face, Yeah, dude. I think that's talking about <laughs> something else. Enter my mouth. <laughs> that's something you could say, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I was talking about? I was at a party recently hanging out with, like, you know, Mitch and Lucy and Josh and Brooke mm-hmm. and a bunch of our, our couple's friends and mm-hmm. stuff. And for some reason, it just really struck me. I was like, Mitch, what would you do if, like, next time that you and your wife were, like, fooling around and you're, you know, you're, like, you're getting ready to bust... And she was like, come on me, dude. Oh, no. Like, if your wife calls you dude during sex, bro. Yeah. Come on, dude. Bust, bro. Come on, bro. If your wife said, bust on me, bro, (laughs) what would you do? I would be so confused. I'd be like, wait, wait. We need to stop. What? Yeah. Bro? Bro is not. Dude? I mean, dude, dude, I don't love. But bro, there's a problem yeah yeah i think homie that would probably that would probably work for me yeah homie's fine yeah yeah <laughs> but something about bro that's not happening let me get that nut homie all right <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> but anyway this movie is about people what be eating people's flesh and blood and guts and nom, 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 nom. things like that, that looks tasty nom, 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 nom. and this is not the first time that we've talked cannibalism here <laughs> on the show close which you were reading off the list of cannibal flicks that we've done on the show already, and I was like, we've not done any. And it's like, yeah, we've done a lot, we've done actually. A lot. And yeah. we have done, I think, some of the better yeah, ones. Yeah, I think we've done most of the best ones. Although, uh, strangely, we've not covered any of the most well-known ones. Right. So I say before we get into the movie review ski, how about we just stop on in at the preview palace? Welcome to the Preview Palace. Oh, that was a remix. Yeah. (laughs) Had a little twang to it right there. And how about we just talk about some of our favorite cannibal flicks and also cannibal flicks that we've never seen. I mean, of course, Cannibal Cannibal Holocaust. Holocaust. Yeah. Which I have never seen. I haven't either. And... I don't know if I'm that interested in seeing it, considering there's like actual like animal yeah. mutilation and right. it stuff is, like that in there. It is one of those movies that like is a huge stepping stone for horror. It's like that documentary style, like I guess sort of found, found footage. footage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. way out Blair Witch, the Blair mm-hmm. Witch. I mean, they had like the people that were in the movie that died, like sign like an NDA and stuff and go into like seclusion for right. a year and shit and not do interviews and stuff. Yeah. Like they really thought these people fucking died. Yeah. You know? So that, I mean, that element of it is a big deal, yeah. I think, but. And a big step in marketing and stuff yeah. too, you know? But yeah, the actual animal deaths and, and stuff like that. I, just, I don't, well, like, here's the thing is like, it seems like pretty unilaterally. Everybody's like, yeah, it was very important. It's not good. I don't know anybody that's like, dude, I love the movie. Yeah. It's so fucking great. I love Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. You know? Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, everybody, every movie has its biggest fan and stuff, but well, I've never uh, really I would met assume anybody. Cannibal Holocaust is Eli Roth since yeah. he made Green Inferno. And that one, I can tell you, I've never met anyone who's liked. I've, uh-huh. <laughs> I've heard that that's just fucking <laughs> awful. Yeah. Yeah. Cannibal Ferox, not, not ever seen that one either. Mm-hmm. I think that's just another kind of cannibal movie. I've not yeah. seen it. Um, but again, not really sure much about Have it. Have you seen Motel Hell, though? 
No. Okay. Motel Hell is one that I, I knew you hadn't seen that I know you will love. It's yeah, how 80s come? slasher. It, it's everything you're going to love. I'm I love it already. You, check it out. I believe it might be on Shutter or Amazon Prime. I remember seeing it recently on one of those two. All right. But Motel Hell is a, a classic 80s, ridiculous, cannibal, over-the-top type of movie. I assume it probably has something to do with a, a motel that lures in people and then they, mm. they be eating them. Oh, well, I mean, you may have seen the box cover to this. It's a motel that's called Motel Hello, but the O is out. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah, that one's that one's one worth checking out. Now, have you seen Parents? Parents, yeah, dude. That okay, movie you have is seen this one. Okay, up. I thought you had not seen this one. Whoa. But yes, you have seen this. That movie, Randy Quaid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My good buddy Brandon Suttles. Yeah. Showed me that movie. Um, golly, that's like when we were like in college. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time, and like didn't really preface this with much anything, just other than saying, "Oh, it's a really cool movie. You should watch it." I felt so fucking weird after I watched that yeah. movie. It's kind of like. It's what I loved as a kid, dude. You saw it, it as a it, kid, yeah. And it, I think it, it's it, it has two specific ways of seeing it, and that is watching it as a kid and watching it as an adult. Because as a kid, there is an entire message directed at kids, and you get it one way. And then when you're an adult, you watch it and you're like, "Oh, I see. This movie's way different than I really? realized as a kid." Well, see, for me, like watching it as a college age kid. All that it did was like further freak me out about my my long standing yeah. <laughs> and as of yet un you know not not disproven it's true childhood idea based on my dreams that my family were aliens uh-huh. I was adopted and they're raising me to eat me yep so when I watched that movie <laughs> I was like oh god it's like somebody read my mind you know it was like hereditary or something you think maybe you inadvertently saw parents and my stepmother Holy is shit. an alien back to back and then you had a fever so you don't remember it but it all like boiled in your brain that's not impossible to think about honestly yeah because it's like if I was sick and you know obviously I wouldn't have been allowed to watch that stuff when I was a kid because yeah. I conservative were but if My maybe like a, an alien, maybe one you yeah. saw as a kid, because that one was like that was like that family friendly. Was it? Yeah, it wasn't like horror. But if I saw like a commercial, you know, for that shit while yeah. I was on the couch with the flu or whatever, right. I totally could have like fever dreamed that. Just in your head and became. Because parents came out in biggest... it's, it came out in the eighties. It's yeah. like a mid late eighties yeah. movie. Uh-huh. That's a cool one. Good suggestion. Yes, I always forgot that that was like a cannibal movie. Now I don't think you've seen this one. And it's a remake of a, of a uh, I believe Mexican movie. I'm not positive but spanish language film it's called we are what we are no i don't know that one i mentioned larry fessenden last episode he's in it uh it's got a lot of indie people you would recognize maybe but it it is a it's a smaller movie and i'd say there's some similarities to ravenous in some ways but also like imagine kind of if the family from the hills have eyes were normal people oh shit yeah okay yeah see this is cool because like these movies that we're talking about and even even ravenous although it's in a different time period kind of subvert a lot of the stuff that you think about when you think of cannibal movies like the typical thing when you think of cannibal horror are like undiscovered tribes in the amazon and stuff like that or backwoods families like in texas chainsaw massacre and hills have eyes yeah Yeah. exactly but these are like domestic yeah parents and and yeah which is really cool is there any indication of cannibalism in the burbs i know they're like doing experiments or whatever anyway 
There I was don't just think so with the Clopex. I think yeah, I think there was in the eighties this just idea of like yeah, all that stuff we thought about backwoods people is actually kind of yeah, it snuck into the suburbs everywhere. and shit, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah, there was definitely, and I think just due to the, the suburban expansion of the 80s, we talked about it on the Poltergeist episode, I think there was just kind of this weird suburban horror yeah. thing that went yeah. through that that decade. I think it's a definite genre yeah. in the 80s, for sure. Yeah. I, and I think it, it's it, uh, movies like It Follows kind of play off of it. It Follows is a, a suburban sort of thing. And then the, the Stranger Things, they kind of bring that back. It was just yeah. like, remember what it's like living in the suburbs? And a lot a lot of us are like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. But yeah. But I think the thing that makes that, that setting of the cannibal story happening in suburbia, yeah. I think so scary and so relevant is it's just a reminder of like, how little we've actually grown and how right. n- how close we are to being not civilized I mean, it's, at any time. You know what I mean? It's the second biggest taboo in what's supposed to be the most ordered and safe area. Right. Yeah. I mean, the first biggest taboo is incest, for right. sure. Sure. Because there are reasons why you would be a cannibal. There's yeah. n- maybe one singular reason why you would commit incest, and that is you and your sister are the last people on Earth, and you just must repopulate <laughs> like you're like no way i'm letting humanity die out we gotta repopulate gotta be something to come to on be done sis here. let's do it but you know what that's that's also that that's also going off the notion that all sperm and egg banks are wiped off the face of the True. earth too yeah Plenty and that neither one of you knows how to do ivf yeah though th- that is most likely <laughs> that, <laughs> that yeah. neither one that of is you kind will of know how to do that, <laughs> yeah so i like this idea of like cannibalism in the suburbs yeah. i think that that's still one of those scary things like i said it make, it's just a reminder of how quickly we can become uncivilized yeah. again and this movie yeah. kind of deals with some of that too yes it does so uh mentioned hills have eyes and texas, texas chainsaw, chainsaw which we've, yeah. we've covered, covered on the, the show past. And and again, that's that's like weird backwoods, middle of nowhere, but still in civilized America. Yeah, yeah. There's like fucked up shit that's just waiting around any corner. Yeah, and you could say the same of frontiers, which we did earlier this this year, where yeah, it's some people going out into what's uh, by the political spectrum of the movie. What these are supposed to be the good people out in the country? Turns out they're fucking Nazi cannibals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, a grim movie. That is a very, a very movie. grim choice. But then there is a movie like Raw that I, I think yeah. fits into like the we are what we are category where these are cannibals who have fit in so perfectly that one of them doesn't even know that her yeah. mom and her sister are cannibals. Dude. Raw is so awesome. It's such a great movie. That is a crazy yeah. flick, man. Yeah. It is definitely not for for the weak of no. stomach, dude. <laughs> There's some stuff in there that is just nasty. Oh. Oh, there is some nasty, nasty yeah. stuff in there. But I just think it is such a fascinating, well-made and yeah. deep movie. You know, yeah. We've done that. We did that on a show like a year and a half yeah. ago, something like that. Sometime, yeah, sometime a year and a half. But ago. you know, again, it's like I look back on the history of the show, and I'm like, that's one of my favorite new movies that I'd never seen that we've done. Yeah, I have also not watched it again since we did it. I, I have because Emily wanted to watch it okay. before we watched the episode, but I haven't seen it since. It's been a long, long oh, time. Oh man, it nasty. 
It's very nasty. And French girls nasty. They don't even shave her pits and they eat their sister. Gross. That's weird. <laughs> She'd have shaved her pits, it'd have been normal. It'd have been fine. <laughs> again, this is Master Possum speaking yeah, again. Yeah, obviously. Master Possum. Master Possum's hanging out. <laughs> we need a, we're gonna do a Master Possum t shirt, I think. Master Possum. I think instead of wearing like the karate geese, wearing old bathrobe. Yeah, old bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still doing a, a karate chop. Yeah, absolutely. Pia. Judy chop. Judy chop. Ninja, ninja chop. chop. Now, don't go ninja. People don't need ninja. <laughs> they don't need no ninja. Uh, the last one I wanted to mention was Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. Because we've done it. That's the closest cousin to this, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Bone Tomahawk and some elements of We Are What We Are seem to take a, a little bit from this, maybe. Yeah. But I think what they're all working on is the actual tales of cannibalism in the frontier. The frontier. Yeah, yeah. The Western expansion. Yeah. So they they're they're dealing with actual historical events that some some of which have been blown out of proportion and some of which we'll never know exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because people got to eat. People got to eat, but they don't want to admit they ate people. Well, one thing that's cool that they they barely touch on in this movie, too, in terms of like talking about cannibalism and and U.S. history and stuff. It's like, yeah, there's obvious stuff that we'll talk about, like the Donner Party and things. But there's also that scene towards the end of the movie where Ives is talking about how like they're going to park it at this fort and like the gold rush is coming through. Yeah. And they're going to just basically ride that wave and eat the people that come through and stuff. Yeah. But the way he kind of talks about it is, you know, it is this all-consuming horde that is covering this nation mm-hmm. and destroying everything in its path. Yeah. And they're going to be a part of it. Almost as if, like, that wave of westward expansion and uh, what they call it, manifest destiny and yeah. shit, which in itself was destroying actual human lives of the indigenous Americans that were there. Yeah. They were just consuming everything in their... Uh, the Americans were just Wait consuming everything Are we in their talking side. about Zombieland again? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> going straight back to Zombieland, yeah. right? So I like, too, that they kind of put cannibalism in that kind of insight mm-hmm. in this movie, you know? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Bone Tomahawk's definitely the closest cousin to this because of the time period and things. But, dude, this movie, I feel like, I feel like Bone Tomahawk was trying to capture some of what this movie put out. Because this movie came out in 99? Yeah. Wow. This is long a, time ago. I would say a good bit ahead of movies that are similar to it and, and way different than a lot of the horror movies out at this time. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, we did Session 9 last week from 2001, and we're doing this from 99. There there are good late 90s, early 2000s horror movies. Mm-hmm. They're just lesser-known titles. Yeah, But definitely. there were definitely people thinking ahead of their time at this point where they this if this had come out more recently, people would be talking about it, I think, in similar tones as they talk about other great indie horror movies because it's a really really good movie really interesting and different than anything else that was out at the time and this is one of those flicks that has a really hardcore cult following it does a lot of people really love this yeah like you don't meet people all the time that are familiar with this flick that have seen it it's not super common but it's like the ones that know this movie 
uh, and have, have have enjoyed it. Really, really stick to it and just fucking really get into this flick. And I can see why now. This was the first time I ever watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Is the first time you saw it? No, no, I saw it long ago. Did you yeah. like it back in the day, or is it one of those yeah. that you kind of grew to like? No, I, I I liked it just fine back in the day. I didn't. Like, it, it really it took time away from it and seeing it in perspective of like all the movies that came out around it, and then the type of movies we're seeing now that yeah. are popular. It, it seems like things like this in session nine, they were just like five or six years too early, maybe. Totally, right? Where like if they'd come out at at that time, maybe like 2006, 2007, they, they would have really maybe hit and made more money. Yeah. Where totally like agree. now watching them, you look back and you, and you can see like issues where like a, a more modern indie horror movie would probably have tighter story or something. But they didn't have anything to compare to. They weren't no. working on that. They were working from like, okay, we want to get away from all the sequels and meta horror and just make this actual horror story that feels real. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you're right. I think if it would have come out just a little bit later, I think there would be a much wider acclaim for this yeah. flick. Yeah, th- like I said, this is the first time that I saw this movie... And I'd heard lots of good things about it. I was super amped to watch it for the show. Mm-hmm. And then the other night, we were hanging out <laughs> with our friends, Lindsay and Thomas. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what show? You know, what movie are you guys doing for the podcast this week? And I was like, uh, Ravenous. I'm really stoked to see it. And they were both like, oh, we never heard of it. Let's pull up the trailer and watch the trailer. I'd never seen the trailer for this movie. I knew nothing about this flick. Yeah. Like, for some reason in my head, I think I was thinking of it like it was like frailty or something. Oh, okay. Which is a cool flip that's too. A good one. Yeah, that's another one that fits in with those like session nine and this that, where it was just like that's way different. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I had no idea what this movie was about. So we pull up a trailer for it, and dude, this movie has one of the goddamn worst trailers I have ever seen in my fucking life. I, I we watched it and I was like, I am not excited to see this movie. This looks yeah, horrible. And, and you basically texted me as much and I was worried. I was like, man, Ben's not going to like this yeah, movie. I like, texted you the- and I'm like, dude, I'm not stoked to watch this. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine why, so I booted up the preview myself. Boy, fuck that preview. Dude, I'm That's telling you. That's real bad. If you guys are listening to the show and you've not seen the trailer for this, please just go to YouTube and type in Ravenous 1999 trailer yeah, to know what we're talking about. They could not have missed the mark If you more. haven't seen the movie, it's not that. No. <laughs> no, it absolutely did not prepare me for what no. this movie is. The, the trailer for this movie made it look like it was about a wackadoo troop of frontiersmen soldiers. Yeah. Like, it was like fucking, you know, MASH or, um, uh, damn it, what's that other one about, like, a, a war troop in Germany and shit? Oh, uh, Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes uh-huh. or something, yeah. Where it was like, oh, it's a bunch of wackadoo characters yeah. that are all trying to get along and live together. Watching it, it seemed like it was a joke. Like, it was an yeah. SNL trailer joke or something. Yeah. I mean, like, the music in the background sounds like fucking Right Said Fred. Like, I'm Too Sexy or something. What the fuck? It's got this late 90s-ass music behind it. Yeah. This corny voiceover. Yeah, and it's that guy. It's the voiceover guy. The late 90s the, voiceover we guy. We all know him. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, I I just could not wrap my head around this movie. I was like, how could anybody think this was any good? In a world. But then the funny thing is, is like, you know, we all looked at each other and we were like, this is going to be good? (laughs) You've heard that this is good. Are you serious? (laughs) And uh, Thomas was like, man, it really reminds me of the 13th Warrior trailer. Trailer. 
<laughs> which is like that Antonio Banderas like uh-huh. fucking Viking yeah. lore kind of movie, mm-hmm. which is like a really hard ass flick and stuff, right? Yeah. He pulls up the trailer for that, and it—I swear to God—it's got to be made by the same guy. Mm. It has like damn like pure moods in the soundtrack. It sounds uh, like Inya or something. Yeah, yeah. You showed it to me, and I, I didn't remember it. I I remember reading the novel. 13th yeah. Warrior and not wanting to see the movie, but I didn't remember why. And when you showed it to me again, I was like, oh, that's why. Because I remember this preview and Trailer, it looked like dog terrible. Shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, seriously, especially if you're like a horror fan and you'd heard about Ravenous and you watch that trailer, you'd be like, yeah, fuck no, I'm not watching this. Yeah, it's because it's ridiculous. It's a yeah. terrible, terrible trailer. Do not let the trailer tamper with your expectations on this. It is infinitely better than what the trailer it shows is. you. Watch the trailer because you just won't believe it's for this fucking movie. Yeah, no, I'm not going to pretend this trailer, this movie doesn't have some wacky weird shit in it. It's got some wacky weird shit, and it's it's and very upfront some about it. Yeah, oh, there's yeah, some definitely. dark humor to it, but Let's, it's not that trailer. No, no, it's not that fucking wacky. Yeah, that's the thing is like as soon as we started the movie last night to sit down and watch it and it opens up with that like Nietzsche quote about like be careful right. fighting the enemy to not become the enemy yeah, or the monster well, well, or whatever. He who fights monsters be there careful not to become one. Yeah. And then it was like eat me anonymous. Yeah. That kind of lets you know like yeah. right up front like okay, this is going to be a little on the yeah, weird side. Yeah, and that's too goofy and that came in a little hot. Let me That came in a little too let hot. Let me talk a little bit about the production since we're talking about the okay. goofiness and the weirdness because I think there's some stuff you need to know about the production to understand why this movie is what it is. I heard it was really easy going. Everything went exactly mm-hmm. as planned. Yep. Nobody got fired. They Ever. kept the whole band together. They, Everything went well. They did. If you were there day one, you were there day last. That's right. Yep. So, if you look up Ravenous, you'll see it was directed by Antonia Bird. Okay. It was originally being directed by Milcho Munchevsky. <laughs> okay. Milcho Munchevsky. Yeah. Sounds Milch- like a delicious creamy cheese. It really does. I'll have I'll the have Munchevsky. Munchevsky. Right? Yeah. It and really a nice does. Pinot Gris. So he worked on the movie for for a while. He was doing the pre-production. Apparently, a week before they were going to go into production, he sent them a bunch of new storyboards, and it was going to add like a, two extra weeks to the shooting. So there was some conflict with Fox. Yeah. And Fox then agreed to let him have an one extra week of shooting but they complained that Manchevsky was refusing to have production meetings so Manchevsky says that he refused to have production meetings because Fox 2000 executive Laura Ziskin who was president of Fox 2000 at the time was trying to micromanage the production Okay. Now, I mean, look- that, that doesn't sound like that's something that wouldn't happen in Hollywood nope, it, it sounds likely it absolutely sounds likely and to know that following this, Laura, Manch- or, uh, Laura uh, Ziskin left Fox 2000 in November. Uh, she was she was coming to a point where she was no longer happy. So she may have been either micromanaging or she may have just been hard to work with or something. Though, I I'm looking at her. IMDb and looking at everything that else that she worked on, I. I would hesitate to say it is her fault. 
I blame the woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there, uh, there were apparently, though, so, some other problems. Manchevsky eventually ended up getting fired when uh, Laura Ziskin showed up on set with Raja Gosnell and said, here's your new director. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So reading that makes me think, okay, maybe she kind of sucks. Could be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cast revolted and refused to have Raja Gosnell be their, their director. Really? Yes. And Damn. don't worry about Roger Gosnell, director of Home Alone 3. <laughs> he went on, she, uh, what's her, uh, Laura Ziskin, she gave him Never Been Kissed. So he had something to direct. All right. He had something, something to, to fuck, play with. If you look at his IMDb, seriously. Is he one of those guys that you're like, you have dirt on somebody because people just keep feeding you projects and you are talentless. He directed that Martin Lawrence one where he's, he, Dresses up like a grandma. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This honky grandma be tripping. I no, think wait, that that's was the, the Tracy one. Jordan version. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Yeah. But yes, it is that. Yeah. He also directed <laughs> Beverly Hills Chihuahua. So, <laughs> so a winner is him. Yeah, and the ca- the cast just didn't see him directing this movie. Hey man, I will tell you what though. Yeah. Kate's grandmother, Oma, World War II survivor, lived yeah. on a Nazi work camp. Really hardened individual, raised a bunch of kids over here by herself as a widower. Uh-huh. Loved her some Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Seriously. Loved it. Oh, no. Loved it. Oh, no. So, I mean, this guy's got some... This is delightful. She, I That's mean, her. seriously, that yeah. was that was it. That was basically... Have I told you this story already? Because oh, that no. is what she said. So, I mean, this guy gets some cool points from me. He made yeah. Oma happy. Yeah. So, Robert Carlyle, who plays Ives... Yeah. Uh, he recommended... Antonia Bird, who he had worked with on two other movies and they were like business partners and stuff. And there was like a 10 day negotiation. This is three weeks into filming. That's what I was about to ask is like, how much of the fucking movie had they filmed at this point? Well, okay. So, I mean, a movie like Saw, 28 days to film. No big stunts or anything. This is full of stunts. There are war shots. This probably took two and a half to three months to shoot without... All the problems. Big outdoor locations, yeah. tons of sets. And her name is on the director, meaning that even though he shot for three weeks, she shot the majority of the film. Okay. So she comes in three weeks in, 10 days of like negotiation. Finally, she comes in. What I will say about the whole like issue with Laura Ziskin is that uh, Antonia Bird also complained about issues with the production and the management and shooting schedules and stuff. So, may, I mean, maybe Fox was just sucking. Yeah. I mean, they were they were shooting in the Carpathian Mountains. Oh, really? Yeah. So That's this where was, this was shot? Yeah, this was shot I in wondered Europe. where it was. Yeah, this was shot in Europe in an area where there probably wasn't much to do when they weren't shooting. Where? So, I... I can see why there might be some like tensions on set and all that stuff. No idea what all happened there, but there was like some major trouble with this production. Damn. Usually that's like the, the, the hallmark of a movie that fucking yeah, sucks. That's going to fall apart and Th- suck terribly. I don't understand how this yeah. many people were able to keep this vision intact. Well, and Antonia Bird di- does not like the final cut of the film. Really? She hates the narration and other elements to it. Hmm. 
and I would think that what they probably are is the addition of Eat Me at the beginning. The weirdness of the title when it comes up. Okay, dude. It's really out of place. The opening credits in this, again, are just 90s as fuck. Yeah. And it's like it's like from a, from like an Adam Sandler movie or something. Yeah, but it's like you're watching at that point that dinner scene and like the way he's like hearing everyone eat and stuff, it reminded me of a Giallo film. Yeah, so you're watching like a me Giallo too. film and then 90s as fuck credits like uh, when i talk about how they're 90s as fuck i mean they're in kind of a goofy font and yeah. when they fly on screen they have a sound effect yep like when guy pierce's name comes on screen it's sound like, effect uh-huh yeah like they all have like Every a little wind movement noise yeah. and this why? is all why while very serious stuff is happening in the background yeah. like he's dealing with ptsd from war yeah and dealing with the fact that he's being called a hero even though he was a coward like and this just wackiness is going on. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, in a sense, like the way that the movie opens so weird, it did tell me right away, kind of like with that intro of Cabin in the Woods, where yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, this is not the movie that I thought I was going to be watching. It did inform yeah. me a little bit, but maybe, was it, yeah, too heavy handed. Too heavy handed yeah, in the intro. This is the thing is, I'm not going to complain about it. I get why Antonia Bird complains about it because it's not her vision. She had a darker vision, probably. Okay. Yeah. Than all this wackiness. But because that wackiness gets added in, it makes this movie that much weirder. I think so, too. It really like just turns it up to 11. And I think that the production issues made this movie what it is. Yeah, it could like, be. Because there were too many cooks and because there was micromanaging and, and the director's vision and the studio's vision were so different... Like, it, it makes this weird mishmash that somehow works. And it lets me know, too, that I think all the actors and everybody that were on set knew what kind of movie was being made here. Right. Because everybody plays their parts so well and delivers the serious stuff very convincingly and plays the humorous stuff with levity that yeah. isn't completely over the top. No. Like, I feel like the actors knew how to do this movie probably better than the people that were micromanaging and changing people out on the set and yeah. stuff like that. You know what I mean? I Yeah, I think they uh, that's absolutely it. And I think they had a very clear vision and I think that's why Robert Carlyle called his friend Antonio Bird to come in because he was like, look, I can get you up to date on what we've been doing because we've been doing it. We've been making these choices. Yeah, yeah. And all you got to do is come in and just help us finish the vision. Well, it sounds like the actors had a lot of rain in this too. Yeah, I, was, I mean, they rejected the second director. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then I even read too that like the apparent, um, apparently the ending of this movie, that whole like big brawl right, scene. Right, yeah, that was coordinated by Guy Pierce and Robert, uh, Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. Like they choreographed that whole thing. It was supposed uh -huh. to be a completely different thing where they're fighting on the roofs as yeah. the, the, the camp is burning and yeah. shit. And they were like, let's just beat the shit out of each other uh -huh. and choreograph their own uh -huh. shit. Just like, just like, damn, they live. And they ran out of fake blood on the set. I mean, good they lord. They made it so bloody. <laughs> Holy cow, man. Yeah, so it seems like the actors, I think, might have been running the show with I think this that's one. why they wanted Antonia Bird to come in. I think Robert yeah. Carlyle and she had worked together enough that he knew, like, we can... She will do this. She yeah. will be interested in us doing it this way. And so they bring her in, and she fucking nails it. I can't imagine a, a much better cast than this. No, you know? I can't either. Like the 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 names in this, 
it's not even like watching this you can say like oh well that's guy pierce before he was guy pierce or that's yeah, yeah. robert carlisle before he got bigger nope this is guy pierce two years after la confidential Big a year deal. before yeah. memento like he's already a star yeah uh, robert carlisle this same year was a bond villain in pretty big name yeah, pretty the, big the name. world the world's not enough it's funny because that's one of those guys like when you just say robert carlisle like i can't think of anything else he's been in yeah and then you look at his imdb and there's tons yeah. of there's shit tons of stuff and you've seen him yeah and with good reason he is uh extremely charismatic super good yeah. looking he's fucking great awesome. and i think they nailed the alfred packer look that's what they were going for. Who's that? He is, Alfred Packer is, uh, you know, Cannibal the Musical. Yeah. That's about the Alfred Packer case. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah, so yeah. he had like a like a, a bold mustache yeah. and goatee. And the goatee yeah, and yeah. he just has that look about him, yeah. Oh, well, that kind of makes sense now. All right. It does. This also has former WCW world champion David Arquette. <laughs> That's right. Holy shit. Yeah. This is also, is it post-Scream or... Yeah, so, yeah, this is after Scream 2. It was like 97 yeah. or something like that, yeah. wasn't it? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, so he was already a very well-known mm-hmm. name. Yeah. That signed on to do this flick. That's Je- cool. Uh, child porn lover Jeffrey Jones? Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's one of those he's things. He's in so many movies He's in that I so love. many movies. Yeah. And the thing that... I was going to say, the thing that blows is... The thing that blows is he's fucking into child pornography yeah. and helped fuel that industry. That's really what blows. That is the worst part. But I was going to say what blows is he, he ruins a lot of my favorite movies. Yeah. Think of the trauma that happens to me every time Poor I see him me. in a movie. <laughs> yeah, no. The worst thing is that he helped fuel the child pornography yeah. industry. Fuck you. But, damn it, why has he got to be so good? He's so good. He really is. He is really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he has, again, that way of, like delivering funny stuff in such a believable way yeah like they're sitting down at that dinner scene towards the end and he's like well isn't this civilized yeah it's he, so good he is probably the funniest part of the movie yeah like he's he's the best the most like he's funny from that opening speech with with guy pierce yeah like when, and even like when they're talking about like sneaking off to get that guy's well Knox's like bourbon after he passes out right. and stuff he does deliver a lot of the humor in just such a dry, matter-of-fact way yeah. that you almost forget that he helped fuel the child pornography right. industry. That, yeah, but you don't forget. Terrible. You don't forget you that. You shouldn't. <laughs> Jeremy Davies, who plays Private Toffler. Toffler. Had, he had just been the interpreter in Saving Private Ryan. See, I didn't... He was in Twister. I wasn't able to place him. He's in Twister, though. Uh-huh. He Which also, one is he in Twister? Shit. Uh, I think you just gave me an excuse to watch Twister again. Yeah, watch Twister again. He's that <laughs> one. That one. That guy. The one. Uh, he also, a few years after this, would play Charles Manson. There are two people in this who I think could play Charles Manson. He's one of them. The yeah. other one is Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle, Carlyle. absolutely <laughs> so. And that's, I mean, that's, again, an intentional choice. That look, the Manson look, the Alfred Packer look, it's not just the frizzy hair and the, 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 uh, Facial, facial hair. hair yeah it's there's something in their eyes yeah they have that like, wildness what is that yeah, yeah totally yeah we also have neil mcdonough in here old dum dum duggan that's right now what do i know him from you know him from being dum dum duggan in captain america probably now nah, you probably know, know him from a million things he's okay. in so much stuff which one is he in this he's the the blonde 
like okay. super soldier guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. The guy that's like super pissed and fucking yeah. gets in the river with no shirt on. Yes. Yeah. Rawr, Apparently there's like a lot of a lot of deleted scenes in the movie that didn't make it in that kind yeah. of told you more about his relationship with I, I guess Boyd because him and Boyd seem to have a real contentious mm-hmm. kind of relationship. I guess because Boyd, Guy Pierce's character is ultimately kind of a coward and this guy he is like is. a mega soldier. Yeah. So I think that there was like some some dispute between the yeah. morality and stuff there. That makes sense. That I mean, I could see why you would cut those as well because it's like, well, it's not that in- terribly important though. That would have made the scene with them in the hole make more sense. Where it's just like, it kind of seems like, well, it, he's just randomly chosen to be the last person with him. Yeah. But if we had more of that backstory, it's like, oh, okay. He's put into this position where, again, the coward wins. Yep. Like, being cowardly is somehow going to help you survive. It's almost like you could be the biggest coward in the world and become president of the United States. (laughs) It's almost like you could. Through your cowardice. Almost. Yeah, almost like that. (laughs) Is there any coincidence that the guy who's like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Aryan-looking guy is called Reich? No, yeah, they were obviously going for that. Okay. Yeah. Making sure. Yeah, they were definitely like, because I mean, I I can see that with Reich. I can see it with Cleves as he's the the cook, as in like Cleaver. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah, I, I saw that with a few of the names, but I don't think I don't think they tried to do it with all the names. I'm glad they didn't. That would have yeah, been very tiresome. Very tiresome. Yeah. But I mean, ca- like Major Knox, he's always knocked out. Okay. All right. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. 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 It's not a stretch. Yeah. Uh, There's one, one actor in this that I want to talk about, man. He plays Mr. Janus. Now you won't remember Mr. Janus. I don't remember who that is. Nor do I. I think he's just in one of the flashes. Mr. Janus is played by a producer on this film, David Heyman. Oh. Okay. Uh, He just wanted to be in a movie. Well, David Heyman, this is this is the first movie made by his Heyday Productions films. A little before he made this, he had been shopping around for a children's book that he would like to turn into a movie. And he bought the rights to this little children's book called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. No fucking way. Yeah. David Heyman is the reason. I mean, somebody would have been the reason. Not that David Heyman... But he's the one we got. He's the man we got. David Heyman's second movie he produced is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Holy shit. So it went from Ravenous to that, to fucking Harry Potter, to like Gravity. Like, you look at his production company's IMDb, it just fucking blasted off. It's all funded off of uh, Mm. uh, nuts and sickles, isn't it? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Galleons. Yep. Or up to their eyeballs and galleons over <laughs> they got there. all the galleons they could ever want. How crazy is that, Yeah, dude? it's just crazy that this was the first thing he produced, and he was in the process of selling uh, Harry Potter to Warner Brothers with wow. J.K. Yeah. Wow, with old Just Kidding Rowling. Old Just Kidding Rowling, yeah. <laughs> I saw a great Hard Times article the other day. Or it might have been The Onion. I think it might have been The Onion, yeah. They ran, they ran an article that, like, 
J.K. Rowling reveals that you, the reader, were gay all along. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, I can see right. it in the text. It was there the whole time. It was there the yeah. whole time. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So you were seeing a guy who was fixing to be a bajillionaire. Yeah, he's just like movie, yeah, just whatever. some guy who's like you know, like I got a little bit of money. Maybe I can make something of it. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Made a lot of something out yes. of it. Not exactly a strong female presence in this no, movie. No, we have one. Yeah, the guy well, Martha. Well, two, I guess, because there's the one lady who's mentioned and shown in the Flash as, uh, as being with uh, Ives's crew that gets eaten. Okay. She's like the yeah. last person he eats. Yeah, or yeah, she gets et. I don't yeah. think she even has any speaking lines or no, anything. No, she doesn't say anything. Martha is just kind of the Native American guide who is kind of clearly over all these white boy shit yeah <laughs> she is she's just yeah it's just clearly like ugh, there's that part shit. where like Knox like goes to it he's like we're gonna send Boyd to camp we need somebody to go and get Colonel whatever mm-hmm. from the other base and he's like any volunteers and she like looks around it's just fucking her like and she's like me I fucking guess yeah. again <laughs> At the end of the movie, too, she just pieces out. She's yeah, like, I'm, I'm tired of all this fucking white foolishness. Yeah. I am out of here. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's it's one of those movies that it's easy to bitch about there not being much of a female presence in it, but... That, I mean, that is how... It's it accurate to the time period. Would probably be, especially in... I mean, this is a fort that doesn't exist in reality, but it would have been a very far north passage through California, and yeah. most people would not be taking No, I mean, this was 1840s, 1850s, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? It would be a long time before women were serving in the military, right. much less on this little encampment with, like, five dudes. Yeah, you know? and they, they go into town for women. Yeah. I mean, they even mention it. Right. So, like, yeah, there are not going to be women in this fort. But there's another reason why it's mostly male, and that's because a lot of this is about homosocial bonds. Okay, now that's something that I was kind of thinking about yeah. too, actually. And I, I think if you go back and listen to our interview with the vampire episode, you'll hear a good bit of what you'll hear about these two guys. Yeah. Because this is Lestat and this is Louis. Well, okay, so that leads me right into the next thing I was gonna I was gonna bring up as a point about all this and the kind of homoeroticism in this movie. Yeah, is this a vampire movie? No, it's a Wendigo movie. And we'll is talk it a about, vampire Wendigo movie? We'll talk about specifically what the difference between a Wendigo and a vampire is in a little bit. But, but you're right; this has so many parallels between yeah. Lestat and mm-hmm. fucking what's his name, Louis. Yeah. Louis. Yeah. Uh, in that you have this one guy that's just embraced the mm, lifestyle he loves it. that saved his life, yeah. and he is who he is, and he's just an absolute hedonist. And then you have the guy who's like more reluctant mm-hmm. uh, to get into it and kind of like rejects that side of himself and wants to put it away and hide it. Yeah. And then you have him, you know, uh, seemingly healing themselves and maybe even gaining some supernatural abilities from feeding on the blood yeah. of humans. They're they're they've expedi- ex- expedited healing. Sure, it's quicker, and they definitely are stronger. They can heal mortal wounds. I mean, yeah, fucking. I mean, Jeffrey Jones gets not just stabbed, like but stabbed, like yeah. s- you know, stripped up yeah, and hit and with a hatchet fine. and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, he's fine. Uh, fucking uh, Ives gets shot in the shoulder. I mean, back then that would have certainly been a mortal wound and they're able yeah, to, oh, to yeah. heal it. Especially out in the middle of nowhere like that. Yeah. With so, no doctor. So you have some of these elements too where, you know, during that like chase scene at the front of the movie where they're chasing Ives through the forest, mm-hmm. Ives seems to just appear and disappear as if from nowhere and they yeah. can't catch him and they can't find him, which 
Sounds like he might be a vampire. <laughs> and it just seems like he's really if close he to... If can't be caught nor found, <laughs> you might be a vampire. He might be a vampire. If you get real close to kissing another feller on the mouth, you might be a vampire. In the midst of conversation. Yeah, because it seems like there's definitely I do that some... a lot with my guy pals, yeah. though. Just like, hey, this is a good... Co- hey, what are you doing? Get in here. Let's get real close. Hey, dude. Hey, bro. Hey, <laughs> get in me. <laughs> but it's like, there's a lot of parts in this flick where... Yeah, there definitely does seem to be like some sort of attraction between mm-hmm. those two that is yeah. very akin to things we see in a lot of vampire movies. Yep. Let's talk about Wendigos then. Okay. Just so we can clarify how Wendigo is different than a vampire. Okay, that's that thing that lives on down that road. No, don't go down that road. Don't go, Wendigo's down that road. They talk about it in there, but it like... I, I it's don't, just like, oh, the Native Americans believe yeah. in this tree spirit thing. Yeah, the yeah, it's not really cemetery is not, yeah, it's like going into it very in depth. Because this this movie is, an I think, a, a good deep exploration of what a Wendigo is without doing it in exposition. Okay, because I was going to say, like, there's not really tons about it. Like, no. there's the part where Martha is, you know, she shows him, like, kind of the, the leather tapestry, and she's like, Wendigo well, no, that's the guy. That's the guy. The that's guy. The guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't Billy remember what somebody his think character's his name, name is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's like, Wendigo. And then later, Martha is like, Wendigo yeah. only takes, it never gives back. Right. It consumes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't really, like... Long ago in the forest, there was a legend of... Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't really give you much, so... No. And, and, that, and I that didn't is, do any research about that it, That is so. the exact terrible way to do it. Oh, that God, would the be worst. the way to do it. It would be like an intro with like too much about it, and then cut to Guy F- Pierce pretending to be dead. Right. What's going on here? Right. Yeah. Okay, so the Wendigo itself, I don't know nothing about this. Okay, I know. so there are two different versions of the Wendigo basically there's the malevolent cannibalistic spirit then the reissue that can possess humans okay and or there's a monster that humans can physically turn into okay so it's either a spirit or an actual physical monster you're at risk of being possessed by or turning into the Wendigo if you break taboos specifically the taboo of cannibalism okay Right. That means that you're turned into a Wendigo in this universe simply by ingesting human flesh, even accidentally. Because yeah. that's what happens to Guy Pierce, to yeah, Boyd. He's, he's buried underneath yeah, the body. Yeah, the, the blood, blood just pours into his mouth. Which is grisly, by which the way. Which is grisly. Fucking grisly. But it gives him strength and, and helps him Fatality. to... Fatality. Yeah. There's also that one feller at the end of the movie that just inadvertently eats some of that stew. What became of him? I assume he's the Wendigo now, he too. He might be yeah. a Wendigo. You might. If you consumed <laughs> a stew and now have an irrepressible hunger, you he might be a Wendigo. Wendigo. <laughs> Very well could be. So, here's the thing, though. The, the, they, they do say that it comes from the north. The, the, the legend comes from the north. Canada. But it, it's coming from the eastern north. The Nova Scotia, Great Lakes, Canada area oh, really? is where the Wendigo legend comes from. Now, there are similarities uh, to the Wechuge, which comes from the Pacific Northwest and Alaska area, which I think whoever, you know, the person who wrote this, whatever his name is, I can't remember, um, 
they did this research and found these things and and really involved like put this into there because this is the difference between the Wachuge and the Wendigo. Okay. Um so the Wendigo is driven by consumption and hunger, but it's it's a monster, a beast. The Wachuge is driven by this desire to eat, consume, but the Wachuge is considered to have a particular wisdom that comes from the animal spirits that it is enacting. So mm. it's a wisdom, which is how uh, like Ives presents knowledge. it. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's how Ives presents it to Boyd. Yeah, as like, no, totally. this isn't a curse. This is like this blessing that we have. Yeah. So whoever did the research which, did I mean, the fucking research, but then didn't include it in the exposition because you shouldn't. Which is interesting that you point that that kind of thing out because isn't that so common in so many other ancient myths? I mean, what you just described is also the the, the tree of knowledge and the, the fruit of the apple. Yeah. You know, it yes. gave them knowledge. Right. Which was a blessing and, and a curse and stuff. Right, you blessing know? and curse at the same time. Right. Yeah, so this is very similar. And again, it was a taboo. Yeah. To eat from that tree and stuff. Now, let me read a description from Basil Johnston, who is... Is this uh, from Tobin's Spirit Guide? I don't think so. <laughs> let me just check. Uh, this is from Basil Johnston, who is a... Uh, Basil. Uh, uh, maybe it's Basil. <laughs> he's he's an American, Basil. but... Maybe he says it, Basil. <laughs> He'd be wrong. Uh, he's an Ojibwe Chippewa scholar. Chippewa and Ojibwe are the same okay. uh, tribe. It's just in the Canadian side, they say Ojibwe. Can we replace tomato tomato with that? Because that's way cooler. <laughs> Ojibwe Chippewa. <laughs> it's an like, Ojibwe Chippewa. What? <laughs> so this is how he describes the Wendigo. And listen to this, because I think this description fit. Hmm. The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets, the Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. With lip, uh, What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Now, there are two people in this movie who fit that description. Boyd and Ives. Yeah, really. They both like they they went for actors with the sunken look, the strong, totally strong like, cheekbones. cheekbones, so they look like a skull popping yeah, out. Yeah, totally. Like they a did the fucking research stuff, yeah. on Wendigos and huh. then didn't throw it in. Just like this will be great. People That's, will learn what a yeah. Wendigo is. That's amazingly. Smart and subtle. Very subtle, and I like the subtlety of it. Well, because if I hadn't too, researched this, I wouldn't know that like they obviously did their right. research. Well, that's the thing, is like that's what's cool about the way they presented this stuff is if you don't know anything about it, you can still watch the movie just fine. I didn't know anything about Wendigo Myths yeah, other well, yeah. than what was in Pet Cemetery. Exactly. But then it's like when you add that extra layer onto it, if you know about that yeah, stuff, you like, can watch the movie. Oh, be like, cool. oh, cool. Yeah. I can they tell put it's a lot of work into this. Yeah. Huh. But it's not reliant on, well, the audience yeah. has to know about Wendigos yeah. before they see this movie. So it's pretty cool. You mentioning earlier about the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is like a blessing and a curse is interesting too because Wendigos are portrayed as both gluttonous and extremely thin yeah, due to yeah. starvation. 
Like that's how they show them in this movie is that Boyd and and uh, Ives are always hungry, always it's thin like they're, looking. They're always hungry, yeah. but they're never satisfied. Right? Like because yeah. Ives consumes what like five people. Yeah, he's five people in three months. That's yeah. a lot of pounds of food, y'all. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So they're portrayed as both gluttonous and and thin. So they're hmm. this embodiment of greed and excess that can't be satisfied. Right. Yeah. So. It, it's never going to be satisfied. It's always going to be consuming, never giving, never always, giving taking. always taking. Yeah, and that's how says. the Wendigo is different than the vampire in that the vampire is known for giving vampirism as its, you know, gift curse duality to other people. Uh-huh. So at least it's spreading something. Whereas the Wendigo is, is only consuming. Only eating, it yeah. It eats and eats and eats. And in some legends, it gets bigger every time it eats. So that that's like part of why it can never get full. Oh, I see. Because okay. it, consuming another person make it get larger. So it's hungry again. Needs more food. Just this constant like, and and it is wow. it really is just like mythological parables teaching people about one cannibalism. Don't do it. <laughs> like the idea, because like don't the, be eating people. These are coming from uh, northeast Canadian tribes and northwest Canadian tribes. So these are people who are dealing with starvation months. They're yeah, dealing totally. with months where if they don't have food, there's nowhere to get it. The temptation mm-hmm. might be great to eat with yeah. your friends. So they need the myths and the parables saying like, okay, keep them. They're more. Don't do strong. this, or you'll turn into this monster. Yeah. Wow. We still have this. Yeah. Sort of. Anytime you hear anybody in the United States of America, probably in any English-speaking country, you mention cannibalism, and most people in their mind will think you eat human flesh once, you crave it the rest of your life. Right. That's not true. There's nothing you can eat and crave the rest of your life. I don't know, man. You ever had a Cool Ranch Dorito? Like, what part of the human flesh... Like, what What if you just eat a butthole? <laughs> then that Does, uh, Do you want buttholes the rest of your life? I mean, judging by the youth of today on social media, it seems like they are well, all about eating we're not ass. eating those buttholes. We're licking them. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we, we keep up this mythology about cannibalism. Yeah, that turns you into, like, a wild man, a yeah, savage. Yeah, it makes you incapable of avoiding cannibalism ever again. Yeah, All yeah. you want is The that. meat is sweet. I yeah. mean, they do say that apparently human tastes a lot like pork and bacon. And right, it's long pig, yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, Pork yeah. is good. Okay. Bacon is good. <laughs> no. John Travolta. Oh, no. <laughs> that was a weird delivery. Yeah. I always thought that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so bad. But, that, I mean, that's the thing. So, for instance, like, I, I stopped eating pork a long time ago. You think it's, you could quit human cold turkey? Easily. <laughs> it's not even a problem. Like, I, I don't see. I mean, I do see, though. It's a part of our mythology. There's so much stuff we believe to be true. All of us believe it without ever voicing it but if somebody says it out loud it's like yeah 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 Yeah, that's yep that's a thing we all know that right but it's it's not true well and you can see even boyd wrestles with some of this stuff later on in the movie like after he's he's been down in that hole with uh reich after reich has died Uh uh-huh after by the way they basically do that entire forest fall from hot rod 
Yes, well, yeah, Hot Rod had to be. It was absolutely had to be that. taking some from this because it's so long. It's so long, and it's just him tumbling down this mm-hmm. hill, this beautiful, majestic mountainside. Yeah. It's totally Hot Rod. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, after he kind of like rolls down there, and like Reich is dead, and he's down there, I guess for for days with this corpse. Yeah, and he reaches that point where he's kind of thinking about eating on him, and he has to remind himself. He's like, "You are dead." You're dead. Yeah. Like he's convincing himself and kind of like trying to change his morality about it where it's just like, you're just dead. Like, I didn't kill you to eat you. Yeah, you're just You're meat. just matter now. You're yeah. just meat. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like he's trying to rationalize the morality yeah. of like, it's not as if I'm doing anything bad to you. You're dead now. I you mean, I, th- I think the most recent experience like worldwide of like understandable cannibalism, maybe the events of alive you know the the soccer team that crashed yeah, in the yeah. Andes. yeah like, i was gonna say a soccer team yeah and woof what you like you you can read the sensationalized narratives about say alfred packer or the donner party and of course they were trying to sell newspapers and things and it would be like babies eating entire human being or whatever just like they would go all out but what you know and if you watch the movie alive and read their their stories about it what you know is generally when people are driven to half have to eat human meat they do it as little as they have to yeah because it's hard to overcome the taboo and the revulsion to it it's pretty so well again, imprinted that's, that's on why you. Yeah, like eat your own kind yeah but then we like because of our mythology that we've built up where it's like we have to tell everybody not to do this because the They'll go wild with passion about it. But what that then makes us do is see those type of people who are forced into this situation and see them as forever tainted by it. Yeah. He ate somebody. Yeah. Like that person, like the people involved in that crash for the rest of their lives, every single day thought, I ate human meat. But they didn't. You know they didn't. Mm-hmm. Just like you don't think about every bad thing you've ever done every single day. Because I've always been on. a good boy. Yeah. That's the difference. The, I mean, the, the real scary taboo about cannibalism is admitting that it's usually not a big deal. Okay, I'm just saying maybe we trademark Dead and Lovely. We get ourselves some merch and bumper stickers and stuff. Cannibalism saves lives. Saves lives. Maybe usually, it does. Usually it does. You know? I mean... M- it's not often done just for the shit of it. Yeah, we hear about people like Dahmer yeah, and all these Dahmer others. And, yeah. yeah. They did it for the shit of it, they I guess. They did it for the shit of it. They <laughs> want to eat a human being. Yeah. Yeah. But the majority of the people that are forced into that situation are not happy about it. Well, they don't want to do it and only yeah. do it as little as they have to. And when they're done the with it... In the name of survival. They shouldn't feel guilty. Or be stigmatized for yeah. it and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, too, that that brings me to another thing about this movie is I feel like this movie is all about the morality of survival. Yeah. And gray areas of yeah. what it means to survive. It is. Because basically you find out here at the first of the movie that the only reason why Boyd survived this war and captured those Mexican generals or whatever. He was being a coward. He pretended to be dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He knew that he couldn't survive in this situation. Yeah. So he acted a coward and mm-hmm. laid down and played dead. Yep. And he is, you know, he feels shame for that the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. And he is shamed and stuff like that because yeah. of it. And then you got this other guy who, you know, uh, Ives took action to 
survive. Right. I mean, I mean, basically, Boyd chose inaction to survive. To survive. Yes. I will lay down and uh-huh. pretend to be dead while my inaction brothers are and around me. Pure luck. Yeah. Gave him what he had. Yeah. yeah. Inaction of pretending to be dead while his brothers are around him, getting yeah. shot and torn to shreds. Um, meanwhile, like I said, Ives did something way more courageous. Yes. And crossed that taboo. Mm-hmm. And ate some people to survive. And it's interesting as a viewer to be like, how do they want me to feel about these two guys? Right. You know, and their methods of survival. Like, who's the good guy here? The guy that totally pansied out and let his mm. friends get killed so he would survive? Or this guy that, like I said, did the courageous thing yeah. in a way. I mean, I, I don't say courageous and like, what a hero. He ate somebody. Yeah. But I'm saying it took a lot of boldness and a lot of action on his part to make that decision. I to think survive. that's why they show two sides of Ives and he has two names. He yeah, has he a does. false identity because Calhoun. there are two ways to look at him. Like he could be this over the top, wily coyote type of just like pursuing the roadrunner constantly. Totally. Never after anything. His brain can't think of anything but that. Or do you even remember like that guy in, in Zorro, in the mask of Zorro, that keeps like Zorro's brother's head in a jar yeah. and he drinks the water from it and stuff? Right. And it's this over the top, sadistic. Right. Kind of villain character. It's so like he could have been that. He's presented as that and presented as this. Uh, pathetic individual who needs help and has been in a really bad situation mm-hmm. and both of them are kind of true because he i mean well they're definitely true because he he first starts eating people to survive and then because of this wendigo curse he becomes that over-the-top villain who can only yeah. think of that thing. well and that's the thing too is like this movie kind of gets away with like you said, that that long-going fable of like, well, if you eat human flesh, you become a, a madman who's all right. consumed by it. It's like, this movie kind of sidesteps that by being like, no, it's it's a Wendigo. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's it's not their fault. They're being possessed by this or turning into yeah. this. And yeah. aren't you stoked that like the whole movie, even though, even though it is this Wendigo spirit that's getting these people... It's never shown as like, oh, their eyes turn green, right? Or There's like they're no, they get a snake tongue. The, nothing. The, basically, it's just that they heal quickly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like, there's no supernatural crazy stuff, which also means no shitty ninety CGI, yeah, or anything in here that pulls you out of the human believable element of this movie. Did you notice how much fire was in the movie? How often people had like fire being reflected. Right. And stuff like that. Like, all all the time through the movie, like, uh, I think in a lot of uh, Boyd's flashbacks, there's fire. Yeah. Um, even, even earlier on in the movie, whenever Jeffrey Jones, before he becomes a cannibal, uh, I think it's after, after Ives slash Calhoun shows up. Yeah. They're warming up by the fire and they're talking and stuff. And he's got, like, the fire in his eyes, too, like, reflected in his glasses. Right. Which, again, I don't know if that is supposed to reflect either the fact that he will one day consume flesh and be right. consumed by this fire. Or if maybe it's the passion of maybe the all the gay stuff that's going through this movie. Maybe he <laughs> sees this hunky stranger yeah. and wants a piece. Maybe so. I mean, It's hard to say. I, you know, now I'm forgetting this. What, what was it that changed him? Did he accidentally consume blood or something or he, was he changed he, by ives intentionally okay so after ives like like gordon and stuff right. he said that he passed out and when he woke up he's being fed by ives okay so i'm wrong 
or then about the difference between a Wendigo and a vampire in this case because they used the Wendigo mythology to then use the vampire logic of turning. Yeah. Well, but I mean, on. I mean, in general, yeah. the Wendigo mythology, that is the difference. Yeah, yeah, the Wendigo yeah. is not trying to convert others to Wendigism. Wendigism. Uh-huh. I like that. <laughs> but, you know, later on in the movie, um, uh, Ives says, like, being a cannibal is lonely business. He's like, it's, yeah. a, it's a hard life for us or yeah. something like yeah, that, yeah. where it's like uh-huh. he is trying to create a bit of a family, a bit of yeah. a unit for himself. And just like Lestat, he, he's doing the same thing. Lestat's same fucking doing. thing, yeah. man. It's the same thing. See, I didn't know if like the fire in this was supposed to symbolize, like I said, the uh, desire yeah. to eat human flesh or, or is it fuck desi- a man. Just very, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's, it's desire in general, I think. I think like there are... Uh, there are the characters who have desire, which I would say like David Arquette's character who just only wants to consume weed constantly. Yeah. Like he, he's burning with that desire. Uh, you know, Ives is burning with desire to eat people. Uh, Reich is burning with desire to kill people yeah. in war. He like feast for combat. Yeah. They're all burning with these certain desires except for Boyd. He has literally zero desire to to live, to exist, whatever. But like he also has the drive to live. It's almost like yeah, survival is all he has. It's all he has, and it's also like accident, like because he accidentally consumes blood, and it gives him the power to do what he does. Again, but then he all, feels all like passive. It's all yeah, passive on like his he part. He feels terrible about it, even though it's exactly what needed to be done to survive. Like because he doesn't have any passion for life. He doesn't have any like real passions, except when he's talking to Ives. Those totally. are the times he shows passion, dude. And I'm telling you, man. And it- they end up dying on top of each other. That, that's the thing, yeah. right? Like, ultimately in this movie, you, you have the bold, assertive Ives. You have the passive, meek Boyd. Yeah. It's a very top and bottom it situation. It is a very top and bottom situation. Yep. And like you said, in the end of the movie, they end up snapped in that bear trap, mm-hmm. lying on top of each other. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm looking Mixing too much fluids. into this. Mixing fluids. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I I don't know. Yeah, I don't, you're not Actually, reading too much. Actually, I think much. I do know. Yeah, you're not reading too <laughs> I think much. I think there. everybody involved in this would probably say, yeah, 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 that's there. Yeah. Because there's no way that when they were like, how are we going to end this fight? They were like, well, of course we'll end up on top of each other, bleeding all over each other with yeah, our faces s- an inch apart. In a trap together. Yeah. Ooh, it's a little sexy. Saying snapped in a trap together, which is is interesting, is like uh, Ives basically is trapped into being a cannibal by what he has to do. Mm-hmm. Boyd is trapped into being a cannibal by what happens to him. And then Ives traps Boyd in this situation. Yeah. And then Boyd turns it all around with this final trap, but it's a trap. He's still stuck in the trap himself. Like it's like Boyd never escapes the trap, and I, I I would assume the trap in this case is supposed to be something about morality. Like I I feel like this is saying a lot about morality and uh, like the morality, morality of survival, the morality of cowardice and war. Like what that, is it, what is it that I've says? He says, "Oh, morality, the last bastion of coward of a coward." Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. 
which I love that fucking line. It is. It is a good line. It's a really good line. I disagree with its message, but it's a good fucking line. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. It's like there is something about the morality of survival here, and the, and yeah. the fact is, is that for better or worse, as as Boyd is is lying here on top of of Ives, and he Ives has just died, snapped yeah. in that trap. Boyd could heal himself by eating him. Yeah. But you know? he refuses. Does he refuse or is he too much of a coward to do it? He's too much of a coward, I would say. Yeah. You know? So, again, it kind of leaves you with that thing where it's like, is he the hero because he chose to not live? No, he's not the hero in this. I don't think at all that he's the hero in this. I like, don't think there are any heroes there are in no it at heroes. all. Yeah, this is, this is just showing that survival is hell. And Yeah, there's you, no easy way to do it. You either want it or you don't. And if you don't want it... I I think in the end it kind of questions the morality of Boyd killing Ives. Right. Because Boyd doesn't think that he should live, but Ives thinks he should live. Ives didn't do anything to have to become a Wendigo. Like, he was forced into a situation. Yeah. Just like Boyd. He was not making a choice. He was choosing merely to survive. Yeah. So, like, they're no better or worse than one another, but Boyd refuses to believe that. Yeah. He and it's interesting it. for you as the viewer to decide which one you think is, is yeah. in the right here. Again, it, it plays I, that I mean, gray area so yeah. well, man. It seems like, I, I mean, it seems like to me he, that Ives is right. That it's like, it's almost like uh, the next step in human evolution. Like, you owe it to humanity to spread it. Right. Like, if, if we can survive, then... Why the fuck shouldn't you? Why the fuck shouldn't you? Uh, but Boyd again, like, and that—that's why I—I I think why, like, some of the morality questioning that comes in also is that the chaos of war means that cowardice and bravery can be the same thing. Mm. Where like bravery is the story that you can tell to people that they can digest and say, yes, a just and wonderful thing happened. So, you can say, Boyd uh, killed these officers who were killing American soldiers. A just and wonderful thing happened. To say that he did it by faking his death and then eating blood and gaining this extra strength from being a... Yeah, he got a one-up from something he didn't even work for. Yeah, to, to say all that is, is to like recognize the actual true chaos of war. And that is... I mean, he could have just gotten shot by a bullet... Or fake his own death. Faking his own death led to the positive thing. Getting mm -hmm. shot by a bullet wouldn't have changed anything. Right. But again, Boyd wrestles with that his whole the whole movie. For sure, the, man. I shouldn't be alive, basically. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. really, really love the, the way that this movie plays with that gray area and doesn't give you a big bad and a brawny hero. Yeah. That super ass generic narrative that especially Which, we're it, used to seeing in like war movies and yeah. shit like that, you know? It's it's even hard to say. Too, like, because it looks very clearly on the surface to have a an easy big bad, mm -hmm. yeah. But he's not, not really. He's really not. When you when you go through it, you look at the logic of the movie and you look at what all is said and happens. Ives is no more villainous than anyone else trying to survive in the wilderness. Well, and that that ultimately, you know, whether you're talking about this in terms of the morality of survival, or you're talking about this as a vampire movie, or a Wendigo movie, or a gay movie. 
Yeah. It's all summed up so fucking well with that one line that Ive says to Boyd. He says, it's not courage to resist me. It's courage to accept me. Yeah. I fucking love that line. Yeah, it is. You it know? is. It, uh, and like, it's, it, it's like if you if you are having these urges to be a gay person, mm-hmm. it's not courage to resist it. No, it's a courage to accept what you are and move forward with exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's like whether that means being a fucking cannibal, if that's what Ives was talking about, or being a survivor. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like there's so many different ways you could spin it, but I feel like that line right there just sums it up so well as far yeah. as the moral ambiguity of everything that's happening in yeah this i would agree with that I, so fucking cool, i think man. that's yeah it's perfect and it, again it, it's real crazy that this all came out of such such a clusterfuck a clusterfuck of a production i i'm amazed which i think is just further evidence of how much the actors sort yeah. of took control of this project and said we want this to work no matter what absolutely so yeah. i totally agree man one of the other things, in addition to the incredible cast and the, uh, the again, awesome story and stuff of this, that soundtrack adds God so damn. fucking much to this movie. And, dude, you want to talk about so many curveballs of a soundtrack. You're talking about a movie that takes place in, what, 1840-something, 1850-something? Uh, it's, it's between 1844 and 1847. It's during the Mexican-American War. Yeah. I think it said 1846. It should have all been like fucking battle marches and hymns and maybe early bluegrass mountain right. music and stuff yeah. like that. It is such a weird, uh-huh. weird eclectic blend of, yeah, it does have some of that stuff. That chase scene has this weird yeah. like Dollywood banjo music going it on does. during it, yeah. which makes it oddly light, but still engaging. Yeah. But then, dude, like later on in the movie, there is so much crazy stuff actually it's not even later in the movie even towards like the first third of the movie yeah i was gonna say like even the opening music is like that's that's not what i would not what i would have picked for this but i'm glad you did and i love those soundtrack choices like i love that the person that put the soundtrack together for this was like this isn't the normal kind of movie that takes place in this setting so i'm not gonna give it the normal yeah soundtrack there's that there's that one theme that kind of runs through a lot of it it's just like a two note thing that's like a major seven interval. It sounds like it's just being played on a banjo. Mm-hmm. It's like almost an octave, but not quite. Yeah. And then overlaid on top of that is this like, dude, I swear I've heard this like soft synth sound in like PlayStation RPGs. Like some of it sounds like Final Fantasy music of like these synth, almost like um, like flutes and stuff like that. Yeah. That's played over the top of it. Like I have in my notes multiple times. I'm like Sleepy Town RPG music. <laughs> There's so many things in here that sound like fucking video game music. Yeah. And I love it, dude. Towards the very end of the movie, too, one of the best parts of the soundtrack is like whenever Boyd and Ives are kind of having their cat and mouse at the camp and like, you know, Mm -hmm. Boyd's like knocking down the top of that shed on top of it and stuff. There is this like synth and it sounds like like a a hammer dulcimer or a harpsichord or something soundtrack. Uh Uh-huh, okay. That's super chill and super serene and it's just background padding like it's not rhythmic there's not drums mm-hmm. it's just this super dramatic one chord thing which funny enough i recognized it whenever it got to that part in the movie because our friends over at the the say you love satan uh, 80s horror podcast used that piece of music during one segment of their show oh yeah so it got to that part in the movie and i was like holy shit i know this from fucking you know jesse and steph's podcast yeah 
and uh, blew my mind because I was <laughs> like, I know this fucking piece of music. That's crazy. Dude, it's such a rad choice. And again, if I was scoring this movie, never in a million years would I have made the choices that whoever did the soundtrack to this did. Well, uh, uh, let's get to that. Let's talk about it. Because there are people right now shitting themselves like, Who did it? Uh, so this was the soundtrack was composed by Michael Nyman, who has done a ton of soundtracks, specifically won a uh, Academy Award for uh, the piano soundtrack, Jane Campion's The Piano, nineteen ninety three. All right, I never saw that. He did this along with uh, Damian Albarn of Blur and the Gorillas. No fucking shit. Yeah. This uh, came out a year after the Gorillas had formed and, and two years before their first album came this out. This all makes sense now. Yeah, it does. Because now that I'm thinking of like those those kind of vintage, soft synth, weird mm. RPG I sounds. The Gorillas. The Gorillas. gorillas. <laughs> uh, that's totally stuff that I have heard on like Blur Records and Gorillas Records yeah. and shit like that. Dude. This yeah. makes sense now. Yeah. So you How got, cool. You got a guy who's a Academy Award winning uh, composer and a guy who is in a completely different field. So again, it's like this mishmash. <laughs> How did this How work? did it come together to be... But that's the thing is it's uniquely itself. There's... Like yes. even when I say there are movies that are have some similar elements, they're not like this no i mean like i said the closest cousin i could think of would be like bone tomahawk but yeah but that, that, has, that a has a period appropriate soundtrack. soundtrack and, and, and it like, has some humor but it's yeah. more like it's more like probably the kind of humor you would have if you right. lived in the old west yeah and life some was real fucking hard. Yeah. yeah exactly like whereas this will go real fucking weird sometimes yes you know? <laughs> real strange yeah. and philosophical yeah well, i mean where bone tomahawk is philosophical at its heart but this movie will question philosophy in, in, in the very like lines that the actors are saying. Mm-hmm, yeah. Man. So did the soundtrack have as much of an effect on you? Were you like, this is yeah, the shit? Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't even remember it, though. I remembered liking the movie, but like as soon as the music started when I started watching it, I was like, what the fuck? I don't remember this. It's so and weird. And it is, yeah, it's just so different. And it stands out the entire movie, but never like never overtakes the movie totally i think it does kind of what uh tom york's soundtrack for the the suspiria remake did okay yeah uh, excluding when he actually sings during the there should not be vocals in a soundtrack at all. come on but i I think like he was able to like blend it in while it was like weird and different you never really paid attention to the soundtrack same with this except it, it hits you immediately. I oh yeah, think. And yeah. You, like you keep going back to it. You keep going like, why? What? But it's yeah. not like bad. It's not bad or wrong. Yeah. Like why did they put this music in? It's here? just like I would have never done that. Well, isn't that also the same thing we said about numerous Goblin scores in Argento yes, movies? Yes, exactly. Stuff, it's got that Giallo feel to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I would be surprised if the people that made this hadn't seen some of those flicks yeah. because there are so many just well, uh, moments where, like you said, the soundtrack has nothing to do with what's going on yeah but it still doesn't overpower the scene or distract you yeah i mean uh, what's his name the the first director milcho uh Michewski, he's macedonian so it's close enough to italy that i'm sure he grew up watching giallo flick so like i and i would assi- i would assume even though he's not getting the director's nod 
he established and set the tone for what would be the movie as it proceeded forward. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any other movies that you'd say kind of compare to this other than like Bone Tomahawk? No, I mean, again, We Are What We Are has like some elements to it that are similar, but mostly is a completely different movie. Yeah. But yeah, it it stands alone to me. I mean, watch Cannibal the Musical. Yeah. That, that's a similar actually you know what yeah. to, like not only let's like, build a snowman yeah like and it's weird wacky humor and like just i mean it's about it's about cannibalism cannibalism in the in the mountains in the 1840s well i guess alfred packer's 1870s but around that close time, enough close yeah. enough things didn't change that fast back then they did not now let me ask you is this a horror movie it's kind of hard to say for <sighs> yeah, me Yeah, i mean i i think it I think because it's about a supernatural creature. Yeah. Yes. That's but kind of the conclusion take I came that to. As out, well. I think it fits more in what we were talking about about dark thrillers dark thriller, with Session yeah. Nine and like Seven Silence of the and Silence of the like Lambs. Yeah. Yeah. Only this isn't like crime. This is like the hardship of frontier yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a dark historical fiction. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say that it's horror. I mean, there's not really like scares in it. You never see any kind of monster but or creature. But it's certainly scary. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets dark and twisted. Like it's more yeah. twisted than it is scary, I guess, overall. Yeah. And there is some like, there is some gore in there. Oh, for man. sure. Yeah. Whenever Guy Pierce falls in that hole and his leg bone's breaking oh. out. Ugh. Do you ever see a bone sticking out of flesh and not just curl into a ball? Oh, no. I do every time. I do every single time. <laughs> it's like, that'll never be easy to look at. Don't want it. No. Don't want it. <laughs> Keep your bones in your body, dummy. That's where they belong. Get back in there. <laughs> yeah, so there's some of that stuff. You know, obviously, we, we have, like, some butchered corpses and, like, there's yeah. some slaughtered horses and stuff in there later yeah, on, it's, too. Yeah, it's, it's got its, like... Like, you could write a metal song about it. Yeah. For sure. But it's not over-the-top no. gory. I mean, you could get way gorier and have a guy fucking pulling a feller's intestines out and stuff like yes, that. Yes, for sure. I will I will say it could have been gorier, but I don't think it would have made it better. No. You know, there's a lot of these movies where I'm so. like, man, I really need to see some juice that would have made the movie better. You know what? This I, is one of those ones I don't think so. I actually, know, just thinking about it, there's one other movie that we've done that I would kind of compare this to, and that's Dog Soldiers. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. In the sense that it's soldiers bit. being, you know, dealing with this man survival beast. situation. Yeah, yeah, in a survival and situation. Stuff, yeah. yeah, and completely separated. And but there's again, a little humor in that. Yeah. Again, it's, it's way more so straight laced compared yeah. to this, man. I love that this movie just embraced the weirdness. It did. The weirdness in the soundtrack, the weirdness in the humor. There's even some like really weird editing and stuff towards the first of the movie that's yeah. It has that strangely Italian feel to it, it like you mentioned, you know? Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see who edited this movie and what else they have done because it has a feel that I know that we've experienced in other flicks, but it's still just entirely its own, man. This yeah. is like one of my favorite movies that I, you know, I have uncovered for myself at least. You've already seen it. Yeah. But this is one of the favorite movies that I've encountered through doing this podcast. Yeah. I think this movie's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's 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 up there for me as uh like I'm really glad that we just did session 9. Yeah. So that, like cuz I'm it's really starting to open up to me that there are these great forerunners to the indie horror of the mid 2000s to this awesome golden decade of tons of great indie horror movies and some that are like instant classics oh yeah you know like uh, 
the the witch and all the these witch, others. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't think of a single one. <laughs> you know, the classics like uh, uh, uh you know, the one, unforgettable that one. <laughs> yeah. But looking at this. Uh, it it makes me want to go back and find these movies in the what else have I late nineties yeah. to early two thousands that sort of bridge that gap but probably fell through the cracks. Totally, man. I think frailty probably fits in there for sure. That's that's one that I need to watch that again. Yeah. People who have seen know how different and strange it is, but at the time, I mean, it's just Matthew McConaughey and Bill Paxton in a in a movie that nobody really watched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously we've gushed on and on yeah, about how much we love so much this. About it. So, what, what what are you rating? Well, I was going to ask you first of all, yeah, okay. do you have any complaints about the movie? Uh, I, well, no, because like all the things that one might complain about are the things that I think are, make the mishmash work. It might it might not work for some people. Like some yes, people, some oh, people I can definitely see this failing for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that this is one of those movies that I, I really say within the first five or six minutes, you'll, you'll probably get it. have made yeah. up your mind if you like this movie yeah, or not. you'll get what you're you're getting into <laughs> like once once the title hits with that weirdness if you're still in you're, you're good you're to go. probably good to go <laughs> yeah yeah but i see this not really hitting everybody and getting again that that humor and the weird soundtrack and stuff yeah i think honestly my biggest complaint about the movie i think the ending does come to a boil really fast yeah it all because like yeah i i think maybe it does feel like they, because of the 10 days that they had to negotiate a contract with Antonia Bird, and they were already short on time, Like it does feel like they had to rush some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like, too, you know, apparently, like I said, there's a lot of deleted scenes and stuff in here, and there might have been some things that make some of this make more sense to me, but Jeffrey Jones' turn towards the end of the movie where suddenly he's just like, I don't know, kill me. I can't live like this. That's like, oh... Okay. Yeah, out of nowhere. Because like just a second ago, you were like hauling corpses around and eating people just fine, but now suddenly you're just yeah. like, I changed my mind. You should we, kill me. We already saw that one general eat the stew, so it's like unless everybody dies, we know this is not over. Yeah. So yeah. Jeffrey Jones' turn, especially to me there at the very end of the movie, it was just kind of like, uh, okay, they had to get rid of that character somehow. So yeah. I guess there's that. That's about my only complaint, though, honestly. I think the movie breezes by. It's an hour 40. Yeah. You know, so it's not super short, it doesn't but it's also feel not too, too long. long. The, no. the, mid, the mid area where he's in the hole doesn't feel excessively long, though it is long. I think... It's to show you passage of time. Yeah, though, it, and it gives you the idea of, like, thinking of what it would be like to be in that hole yeah. for that long. Well, and, and again, it's so cool, too, because during that scene, which... Could have very well been boring with him hiding in a hole with a corpse. Yeah. It's like, it's intercut with, okay, here's Boyd with this food supply right in front of him that he knows will heal him and give him what he right. needs, but it's too much of a coward to take advantage of it. Hiding in a hole. Uh-huh. Then meanwhile, that's intercut with all that stuff of like Ives. And he's like, he's skipping stones on just a, the fucking a river. Just having a good time. Yeah. yeah, dude. Like he's just rampaging, just living his best life. Uh-huh. He's living, laughing, and loving <laughs> all over that thing, man. So, yeah, I even like that kind of moment in there, too, because it just shows you how different these characters' lives and their outlooks on yeah. what they must do to survive are. Yeah. You know? Fucking awesome, man. Okay, what's your what's your rating on this some bitch? Hmm, boy. Uh, this, I mean, this is a great movie. It's one I've, I've seen a few times now. I 
I don't, it's not like as infinitely watchable as something like The Shining or Texas Chainsaw Massacre for me. And like, I could see maybe smaller things sticking out more over a few watches. Maybe some, some bits of it wouldn't be as, as awesome, but you know, having seen it a few times and and enjoying it each time and really digging its weirdness and digging how it just doesn't fit in with a lot of other horror movies of the time or now. No. It just doesn't fit. It's just weird and and an outlier. It makes me really enjoy it. And I I don't know what I I give session nine. What did I give it like nine or something? Eight. Um, oh, you just edited the show. You know better than me. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember even. Uh, I I would say this is this is a better movie than Session Nine. Yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. And it's only a couple of years older than Session Nine. I think it'll hold up for what it is. Like looking back on it, people. Still oh, it's be, not dated at all. Yeah, no. and people will still be able to say like, "Oh, that's weird." Yeah. Like, it's It'll always going to stand out as weird. Yeah. So, for me, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe it's just like an eight and a half. Yeah. 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 Like, it's a high high one for me. I back that. I yeah. back that. Yeah, this is one of those ones that, like I said, it was such a pleasant surprise. And especially after seeing that just piece of shit trailer, yeah. this movie really swept me <laughs> off my feet. Where It's, like it's actually the movie probably starts. a good thing you watched the trailer. And maybe. I told you it was better than that. So, you forced yourself through it. Because the trailer set your expectations so low. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the thing, though, is like... You know, as much as I make fun of the trailer for this, I don't know how I would make a trailer for this either. No, oh, I don't either. Yeah, because what can you show? There's not a lot you can show. Yeah. But the trailer showed so much, it made it put it in a different context entirely. Absolutely so, yeah. yeah. And it's like, I feel like if it was a bunch of clips trying to show how dark and how philosophical and how humorous this movie is, intercut with some of that weird-ass soundtrack stuff out mm-hmm. of context... You would probably look at a trailer that was made correctly and be like, this looks like a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. yeah. So honestly, I don't know how you make a trailer for this. So I'm not sure. But yeah, going into it with those expectations of like knowing that, you know, a lot of hardcore, like really, you know, um, uh, horror fans that have great taste really like this movie. Yeah. I had high expectations. That trailer made my expectations vanish. Yeah. And then as soon as I got into this movie, I was like, well, either way, I was not expecting this. Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> when it when you know it's coming from hardcore horror fans, like, you don't expect that intro of Eat Me. No. And Wackadoo credits and <laughs> no, shit like that. No, you don't expect that. No. So this, to me, is one of the most pleasant surprises I've had doing this show and has become one of my, one of my favorites. Awesome. You know? I think this is a... I'm going to say this is like a nine. Awesome. For me. Yeah. I'll totally watch again. Beautiful sets and costumes, uh-huh. too, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Absolutely gorgeous sets. Uh, yeah. Fucking killer movie. I can't wait to watch this one again. Um, I heard that there's also, if you buy like the DVD, uh-huh. there's like four different commentary tracks huh? that are all apparently insane. I like, would love to hear those. Yeah. yeah. One, one of them is with Ives. Okay. Well, or, you know, Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle, yeah. One's with like the writer, one's with uh-huh. one of the directors and something yeah. else. So I would really, really, really like to listen I to those would, sometimes. Yeah. That know? would be interesting. Because, I, I, yeah, like I could not find enough no. about the backs, like behind the scenes stuff that was going on. All of the stuff I read was just like, that is so fucking crazy. No kidding, what? man. That's the one thing I miss about like 
you know, renting movies on Amazon and stuff is like right. You get all the commentary exactly. Yeah, yeah, if I'd have rented this on a disc from the Food City uh, yeah. DVD store, um, I would have had access to that. Yeah, so I really do wish it's not even like it would be a put huge, them on there. like difficulty to add. No, are you kidding? I, I guess. Yeah, there might be a lot of rights issues and stuff involved with that where you have to because, like, I I imagine with a lot of commentary tracks, they didn't think to include in the like uh, agreement you signed like streaming rights because it was that didn't exist back then. Yeah, because that's the thing is sometimes you'll rent a movie on Amazon, like if you rent like the Avengers, it's like fucking eight hours long. Yeah, because they put all the special features at the, at end. the end. Yeah, and you can just, just fast forward through them. Yeah, that's so fucking stupid. You, dumb, you can't yeah. tell me there's not a better format. There for that. are easily other options to this. Yeah, yeah, that when you rent the movie on Amazon or buy the movie on Amazon or whatever you use. Yeah, that it can't pop up like the fucking DVD screen where you can Seriously. choose setup, subtitles, yeah. audio. Like you that, can't that tell me that's not possible. That would be very simple dude. to do. I feel like. Yeah. 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 So one day I'll watch this with commentary tracks and probably end up loving it. Even yeah. More. Even more. Now, Steve. Next week, we uh, we already said we're going to be doing Krampus. Krampus. Getting in that Krimbus spirit. Yeah. So maybe you guys break out some good hard and heavy eggnog and enjoy that movie this week. To get yeah, ready if you haven't seen Krampus, week. for sure watch it. If you have seen it's Krampus, fun. it's a good time to watch it. It's a good time to watch it. <laughs> yeah. That's right, man. So we'll be talking about that one next week. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review on iTunes. I've not seen enough reviews. I've, I've been asking for them. Where are the reviews at, I I've been say. calling for them reviews. Where my hoes at? Where my reviews at? I've been looking for them in the daytime with a flashlight. Not nowhere to be found. Nowhere huh? to be found. Not nowhere. Nary a review. Yeah, we need to find them. We need to find them. You guys provide them. Go on that iTunes rate interview. It just takes a second. Steve, where can they follow us on the interweb? At Dead Lovely Pod Woo! on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. Woo! That's the dead and lovely Facebook group. Uh, we're on all sorts of stuff. Instagram. Oh uh, yeah. That's First bird. Dead lovely pod. You can email us at dead and lovely pod at gmail.com. If you want a t-shirt, email us what size you want and your address. I'll email you back a total. You pay us on PayPal. I mail you a shirt. I've been doing it now for weeks. It's fun. I've gotten so close to the people at the post office. You don't say. Yeah. I got a girlfriend there and a boyfriend. It's wow. Yep. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, huh? Yeah. That's good to know. It's good yeah. to know. Bringing people together. Fine. Lovely. Also, Patreon. Give us your money. Boom, boom, boom. This movie we just covered. Yeah. Last movie we covered and the next movie we're covering were all Patreon suggestions. It got done right. Yeah. So you become a $5 patron. That movie you've been wanting us to cover, we'll probably get to it yeah. in no time. We've covered so many Patreon suggestions. Yeah, since so we far. started doing this, it's been great and it's cool yeah, too. Yeah, cuz you guys it, have the best taste. Yeah, yeah, clearly. I mean, you like the best podcasts in this multiverse and beyond. Obviously. Unless y'all happen to like some good movies mm-hmm. and we like doing movies that you guys are going to listen to. Yeah. For sure. It's a it, win-win I mean, situation. It's a win for all of us. <laughs> yep. We're all winners. All are welcome. All, all are welcome. welcome. Hope you guys are having a jolly Krimbus season. We'll be catching up with you guys next week when we cover Krampus. So be sure to tune in for that one. Well, you guys have been fantastic. We have been Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. And we're dead and lovely. And we'll see you guys next week. All right, Steve, I'd like to humor you for a moment here. Humor me. I'm going to give you a couple (laughs) great, not corny, cannibal jokes on celebration of this movie let's hear hey Mm -hmm. you didn't have to give me the cold shoulder
said the cannibal who was late to dinner. Wow. Because the food wasn't warm anymore. Right. He, yeah, he did literal cool, shoulder. probably cooled off. Probably because, yeah. like, he, yeah, because, like, you, you know, could that's say how that he works. At, like, a non cannibal barbecue, though, if it was like a pork shoulder. Yeah. Give me the cold shoulder. Yeah. 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 Two cannibals were eating a clown. One cannibal turned to the other and asked, Does this taste a bit funny to you? Hmm. I don't really right. know that someone's clowns, sense of humor would make their meat taste different, though. Well, but, like, the silly pretty much permeates the clown. I would think the meat would taste a little sillier. It's like how the fear spoils the meat and the lamb yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, the silly makes it taste goofy. So do you think you want to eat, like, a really serious person? They'd taste better? Yeah, probably, funny? yeah, because they, like, concentrate on making sure they taste, like, consistent. This meat tastes serious. <laughs> Cannibal wife, honey, why do you think I wanted a subscription to People Magazine? Husband, oh, I'm sorry, dear. I thought it was a cookbook. Oh, boy. That was good, right? See, because it's called People, and he eats people. He's people, yeah. Right, so it'd be like somebody mixing up a, a book called Cows for a cookbook. Yeah. So it's like solid joke. I think it's pretty well-crafted. Yeah. Like, oh, I see you got a book here called Chickens. Must be about cooking. Got to be a cookbook about chicken. Yeah. Yeah. 